do, I was like, just pick up the phone, make a horrible video and put it out there because that horrible video is a million times better than the guy who's consuming your content, who's in the same business, but isn't producing any content. I would much rather sleep on the floor than clock in and clock out. You can become passionate about just about anything. Like, you know, if right now you were making, you know, $2 million a year selling socks, I promise you, you'd be passionate about socks. If you're just trying to make money, or if you're just trying to hit a certain goal, uh, you know, once you, you, you're never gonna have enough money, there's always gonna be another goal that you have to achieve. But you if you have a life mission, then it's going to be much easier for you to be successful, make a lot of money. And even those times that you are not successful or you feel that you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing, you're still on your route. People say, I'm a salesman, I'm a closer. I'm like, what do you do? I sell cars. I was like, okay, buddy, you have someone going to you to your lot, they got out of their car, they're looking around, you're not selling, you're taking right. an order. Or like people right. are like, real estate people, it's like, I'm a closer. Eh, is someone, did someone call you to go show them a house? Yeah, they're an order taker. Try calling someone who doesn't know your name, doesn't know your company, has never requested information, and then still go ahead and get seven figures, eight figures on the phone, they don't know what That's you look awesome. like. That, my friend, is, is closing. I used to cheat off you just to get good grades. And he's just like, yeah, he's like, but you also negotiated with all the teachers to improve your every single grade. What, you know, the week before the report card came out and the teachers would sort of give you what you're going to get on your report card. I would schedule little appointments with each and every teacher and I would find a way to move every single class one letter grade, every single one. A lot of mitigation companies I know reach out to uh, public adjusters and they promise the moon and stars and say, hey, look, you know, uh, use me, use me, use me, use me, use me. And, you know, we'll do this, we'll do that and whatever. Sometimes they offer kickbacks or whatever the case may be. It all happens. We all know that it does. Um, but they don't keep up their end of the bargain. The reason why they don't keep up their end of the bargain is because guess what? There's 10 more public adjusters after you. Right. So in their mind, they'll just go, go, go. And they'll just keep fishing until they find someone. There's, there's the, 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 the riches again are in the niches and that goes with professional relationships as well. One good long-term valuable asset yeah. is dividends. Like they, it pays long-term. What's up advocates? And welcome back to another episode of the Claims Game Podcast. Today I'm excited. We got a really good one. I know I say it all the time, but it's the truth. But before I get into it, I uh, just want you to know that we are sponsored by Fortes Health. Fortes Health is an amazing company that provides PPE masks, uh, PPE equipment. So this is actually really good for a person that like I'm interviewing now who does mold remediation, water mitigation, so on and so forth. So if you work for a mold company, this is a really great place where you can get all of your PPE equipment. And also, of course, because of COVID right? Got to be wearing your mask. We don't want this thing to spread anymore. I'm over it. You're over it. Wear your mask. Let's get this thing over and done with. And uh, if you put in the checkout, if you put in Vince 20, you actually get 20% off. And the beauty about Fortes Health is actually their donations. For every mask that you buy, they actually donate uh, a PPE uh, equipment to to uh, a frontline workers nationwide. So it gets one every time, every mask that you purchase, it gets donated to nurses, firefighters, so on and so forth. Um, and they do nonprofits such as hashtag get us PPE. Uh, so it's really a fantastic cause that you're also giving to and you get 20% off. So check it out, fortesshealth.com. When you get to check out, put in Vince 20 and you will get 20% off. Today I'm excited because we're interviewing Rico Garcia. Rico Garcia is the owner of Ecotech Pro. Ecotech Pro is Miami's mold remediate, Miami's mold removal company, okay? 
specialize in mold remediation services, dry out services, all kinds of mitigation services when it comes to insurance claims. Public adjusters, you need these guys on your team. You need these guys on speed dial because what happens is somebody suffers a loss. They don't know anybody. They just have like a Google search and you never know who's going to come up on those things. If they call you, you need to be the guy that knows these people. So check out Rico. The guy knows his stuff. On top of that, he's uh, you can find him everywhere. Instagram, Facebook, uh, LinkedIn, not only Rico Garcia, but also Ecotech Pro. And the beauty about Rico that we really, really get into in this podcast is marketing. Not only does Rico own Ecotech Pro, but he also owns a marketing agency. The guy is a whiz when it comes to marketing, promotions, and sales. So I want you to listen up closely because we talk about everything. I don't even think we get into water mitigation and mold remediation services probably until about 30 or 40 minutes in. So I want you to check it out. Um, Like I said, we talk about everything from social media marketing, uh, influencing, and also sales. The guy is very knowledgeable when it comes to his reading material. The guy's read a lot of stuff. We talk a lot about influencers and different people. It's a really fun conversation that honestly probably could have gone for six hours, but we limited it to just under three. So I hope you enjoy it. It's a really fluid conversation. The guy could really talk and he really knows his stuff. And I think you're going to really enjoy this podcast. So check it out. Welcome to the Claims Game Podcast with Vince Perry. Get all the tips you need from insurance claim advocates and professionals and grow your public adjusting career to the next level. And now the commercial claims advocate, Vince Perry. Can you hear that on your end? Unfortunately, no. No, you didn't get to hear that? I didn't get to hear that. I was a little disappointed, but it's all right. Oh, man. See, that was another one of our things that we've talked about in the past. That was a fiver. 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 Whatever you call it. Fiver. I think it was like like 50 bucks. Yeah. Very nice. But, but song. I have heard it before because I follow all of your stuff, so... I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Well, since you follow me and since we've talked in the past, you know how much I like to use virtual assistants and use great programs like Fiverr, Upwork and different things so that I could uh, so that I can get the stuff that I need to sort of make it at least look professional for everybody. You know, everybody's just like, oh, man, you're so professional. All the stuff you do. It's like, yeah. You know, I try my best, but I want to make sure that, you know, we hire the right people and I look around. I don't just, you know, just try to hire Joe Schmo to do any kind of little job. I want to make sure that I hire the right people. And I know that you are someone who are, uh, you're very into the whole, all that stuff too, promotion wise, social media wise. I mean, you're the reason why, look at your awesome little, let's call it a studio, right? Which is your office, like my office. But if you make it look dope, then it's, it's going to look dope, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it's so funny, like as you evolve, right? Like um, we were, I'm in the process now of redoing some of my earlier videos and you look back on them and regardless of how good you think they were in the beginning, you look back at it and you're like, oh my God, my backdrop sucks. Uh, My audio quality wasn't that good. What was the deal with the camera? And you start really nitpicking at yourself and it's just this like really cool, natural evolution. And uh, funny little thing, I just like, just to make me feel better. um, I follow a lot of people on social media and especially the guys that are really doing it big on YouTube and Instagram and stuff like that, Facebook. I just always go to sort by oldest video and you get to see like how people progress. So it's just a really, really cool uh, process. I saw that you got this brand new setup now uh, with the, uh, what is it? The uh, podcaster, right? 
uh, the Roadcaster. Roadcaster Pro. I'm looking at the box right now. Right, which is absolutely awesome. I was looking at that setup. I swear to you, probably three weeks before I saw you debut this on your thing, I was like, I can't do that now. <laughs> I was like, I can't do that now. We already have a very similar, for those out there who don't know, we already have a very similar YouTube intro video, which I think was hilarious. As a matter of fact, I sent it to you as soon as I got it back because I got it from Fiverr as well. And uh, yeah, it was just hilarious. Well, talk about this, a small world that actually comes, that, that actually is perfect when it comes to that because you and I found the exact same sort of uh, intro producer and right. our intro is basically identically the same, which is, it's totally okay because it's, it's, it's good. I like yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. And even it's though- what most people are doing. You know, what, what's funny is that what I, what I like about you is that we had one conversation, I don't know, a few months back and we clicked. And going back to the Roadcaster Pro, which, by the way, speaking of studios, I have my computer sitting on two boxes. Right. That's, that's how we do it. But anyway, it's sitting on top of my Roadcaster Pro. And you mentioned how like, you saw my stuff and you're like, oh, I was going to buy that. I got the, the idea for the Roadcaster Pro came from someone else that I found on social media who's like, hey, have you heard of this? I'm like, no. He's like, check this out. I want to buy this for my podcast. And I'm just like, what? It's badass. So what did I do? I ordered it. It's just a beautiful thing. This whole social media to me, it's not like when we were kids, right? Do you remember... I don't know how old you are, but do you remember the days of AOL chat rooms? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm that old. So yeah. Do you remember how your parents used to be like, stay away from those chat rooms. You never know who you're talking to. You don't know who's there on the other side. It's just like a thing. Well, I sort of always had that in the back of my, in the back of my head where like, even with the social media, you don't know who's really commenting. You don't know who really it is. But I think we've come to a place now where it's real people. It is real people that we're communicating with. Like I've seen on your Instagram, which by the way is Ecotech Pro on Instagram. Uh, I've seen on your Instagram that you've got like 2,500 followers or something like that. And that's really cool. Those are 2,500 real people who know who you are. Uh, do they all follow all your stuff? Do they all, are they all like, you know, obsessed and really getting all of your content? No, maybe not, but they're real people. They're real, real people out there. And, and what I re when I realized that, was when I first started this channel and I first started the page and people just started messaging me, asking me questions. And I'm like, I don't know this person from anything. And this person is sending out a message and, and communicating with me. And it's just really cool how we're just able to reach and communicate with so many people all over the country and all over the world. Yep. Yeah. And just based on the merits of your content, who you jive with, who you don't. Um, I believe you and I actually, our first point of contact was through Instagram. Yes, it was. I'm pretty confident that that's what it was. Um, and we, ironically, for a very long time, we didn't really pay enough attention to our Instagram. We were worried on a whole lot of other fronts. And uh, just this year, we got serious about it. And we've just, just had some pretty, pretty impressive growth as far as the numbers. But what's really more important than the numbers is the overall engagement and who's actually connecting with you. Because anybody can go on even Fiverr or Upwork and you can buy 10,000 followers but I mean, nothing against, you know, India, but they're all from India. So they're not relevant to you, your content, um, people that you're looking to service in the marketplace. So it's really just all fake data. Uh, and it's a big vanity metrics. I would much rather have, if you look at our engagement uh, per post, it's, it's definitely substantially higher than uh, a lot of other accounts that are, you know, 10 to 15,000 which by the way, not a lot of restoration companies have more. And we know, cause we're looking at them, uh, 700 to a thousand 
is like your average for restoration uh, Instagram profiles. So we're about 2,700 right now. Uh, we have had to slow down the, um, the growth because we do everything organically. We literally go in profile by profile. We go ahead and say, Hey, how's it going? Like we have an individualized message that actually goes out to everyone. Cause the one thing that's the most annoying thing in the world, um, I don't know if it happens to you, but I would imagine it happens to you. Uh, but I get messages on my Instagram all the time. Like, Hey, great Instagram. Um, let me know how the roofing business is going. No, or want to, want to, want to increase your followers. Yeah. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not a roofer. Like, why are you talking to me about my roofing business? Like just take two seconds, look at my profile, see if we jive and then, you know, a spark a conversation that way, but there's no faster way to lose that first impression than by just having some blanket message that goes out to everybody. Well, I, I used to have, I was that guy for a while. I had uh, my wife and I, we had a travel channel on YouTube because we did a lot of traveling. We started an Instagram account and I wanted to grow my followers a lot. And I would just spend hours just doing that messaging, just stupid. Like I would maybe take a brief look at the, at the profile and some photos and just send a message, like a few photos, send a message, next account, like a few photos, send a message, next account, like a few photos. Not only is it exhausting, but like you said, it's not authentic. It's not real. You're not really, you're not really connecting with the person. Tell me about your, tell, tell me about your Instagram strategy then. How is it that you've done it, that you've been able to grow the way you're growing? Like what are some of the things, what are some of the tips and tricks for some of these other restoration companies and public adjusters out there? Um, honestly, our strategy was really, really simple. Um, we just compiled a list of, of other restoration. I'm in the restoration business, right? So if you're a plumber, I would assume you would want to go ahead and get the same caliber of followers that let's say your plumbing competition has, right? So the easiest way to do that is if someone's following a plumbing page and you're a plumber, it's pretty likely that if you go through their subscribers, right, or their followers, they're probably going to follow you back, especially if you have the ability to offer better content or whatever the case may be. So our strategy is really simple. Step one, we just made a list of everybody who has a halfway decent profile. And then we just literally went in, opened up their followers, and we would start following every single one of them. Then we would go right back through that list and basically we would just daisy chain it. And then we would go to, let's say their follower number one and see who was following them and just go through the same list. Um, so we, we use a follow unfollow strategy. Um, everybody does, I think to some degree, even if they say they don't, um, whether they're doing that automated, we do it manually because Instagram has, um, some restrictions now on how many people you can follow every day or unfollow. Um, so we've done that so often that we can literally only do like 50 a day now. Um, because if not, if we go too aggressive, we'll just get shut down for three days and that kind of sucks. So, but yeah, that was our strategy. It's like, we went through every single restoration company and we try not to follow, um, a whole lot of restoration companies just because it is what it is, unless they're doing something really, really interesting. Um, but unfortunately, like I said, there's not a lot of people in our industry. That's, I mean, how many pictures of mold can you really like post? Right. You know, but that was it. That was our strategy. And then just honestly and genuinely take a quick moment and say, do I like this profile? Is, is the owner, um, or one of the representatives, are they taking the time to show their face on that profile? And do they have anything that we can connect with? And if there is, then we, you know, if we like it, we compliment. And, you know, if we don't have anything nice to say, then we just move on and that's it. And I think that by doing that, you know, over and over and over again, eventually you just get, you know, real numbers. Could we get, you know, 10,000 followers 
in the next two weeks? Yeah, definitely. But that's not the type of, uh, you know, following that we want to have. And would you say, you say we, are you doing all these uh, following and commenting by yourself? Absolutely not. Okay. I was going to say, I was like, damn, that's a lot of work. No, absolutely not. No. Um, that was spearheaded by my wife. Like without her, like, honestly, we, I'd just be, I'm, I'm. Sounds like me. The, I'm the mouthpiece to the whole thing. Right. Like that's, that's my thing. I like shake hands, kiss babies. And that's my thing. Um, but yeah, my, my wife is the one who can really organize everything and, and she has the patience for it. Um, as a matter of fact, to be honest with you, maybe some people watching this, if you got an intro from me, or if you get sometimes some commentary from me, it's more than likely not me. She just really understands my voice and she knows whether or not it's something that I want to pursue. Um, and that's it. And it happens a lot. So typically we're connected on the same account. I'm really like giving you like the back door here. Like it's okay, man. That's what this podcast is all about. Now, if anybody hits me up, now they're going to be questioning. It's like Rico, is it really you? No, no, no. That's what this is all about. Got to be authentic. What ends up happening is we're connected to the same account, obviously on the same phone, um, and she'll sometimes spark up the conversation, um, and then I'll kind of look look into it. And depending on which direction this conversation goes, then I jump in and just kind of pick up where we left off. And that's because we're scheduling an appointment. I'm going to take somebody out to lunch. We're going to, you know, whatever the case may be. And that's really where I jump in. I just don't have enough hours in the day to introduce myself to people that don't want to take the time to have a conversation because it happens a lot. No, I know. I know. And uh, being the face, like you said, like I'm just a, I'm just a mouth or I'm just a whatever it is. That's let me tell you, that's not easy to do either. And that takes a lot of time, which is why it's, it's very difficult. Well, I think a big mistake that a lot of business owners do is the old saying, they're never working on their business they're too busy working in their business. And if you're going to grow your business and you're going to grow it to, to where you want it to grow, which all business owners, we could all, as, as a business owner, like I was talking with Eric Wang in the last podcast, you know, our, our superpower, like he calls it a lot of time as a business owner is we are able to sort of visualize where we see the company and where we see the growth. By the way, so if anybody has and seen it, definitely recommend to go to your YouTube channel and check it out. Um, so that was a really, really good podcast. It was one of the best podcasts and the shittiest sound. <laughs> well, in all fairness, we, we went through what, 15, 20 minutes here just to make sure that we were getting the best possible audio and video. We were having some technical difficulties in the beginning as well. Crowdcast, if you're listening, we need to work something out here. We need to fix this sound. Yes. But, um, so yeah, as business owners, we need to work on, on, on working on our business. I learned that years ago when I first started my business, when I first became an entrepreneur and a business owner, and I joined BNI business networking international, great, great organization. And they used to always talk about that. We used to always talk about how it's important to work on your business and working on your business. Basically, if I want to sum it up in one word is networking. It's just meeting as many people in your industry as possible. And, you know, unfortunately, sometimes we get too wrapped up in, for me, the claims process, negotiating with the insurance company, following up with the insurance company, putting the estimate together, doing all these things that we're supposed to be doing so that we could actually get paid. Um, but frankly, I think most business owners are actually, that's not our strong suit. I think our strong suit for most business owners, again, not all, is actually being able to network, being able to meet people and having the vision to grow the business. And social media to me has proven to be a way for us to really do that without even having to go uh, person to person or like networking like in a BNI event and stuff like that. We can do it through social media. One thing 
that I'm going to, I'm going to call you out on Rico. How's your LinkedIn game? You know, my LinkedIn game. So funny, last time that you and I spoke, um, that I told you, I was like, man, you know, my one weak point is LinkedIn. Haven't paid any attention to it. It don't know why. I know that it's important. I think that when I first started looking at LinkedIn years and years and years ago, it was just a desert. There was really nothing going on. It was very, very stuffy. Now, and obviously it's changed since then. Like now we have guys like you, we've got regular people that are showing a little bit more of their personality, that the fact that they could still be funny, they could, you know, uh, still be really effective at what it is that they do as a professional, but they don't, they're not so uptight. Um, and I kind of miss that, that, that transition in LinkedIn. Um, we've got some plans in place to um, get a little bit more aggressive on LinkedIn. Uh, it was just, that's one thing where we're just, totally weak. So it's not, and I'm not knocking you at all because I'm, I, I am to blame as well. I was the exact same way. I think it's just a little bit, it's not very user-friendly. It's not, it's not as easy as a Facebook and, a, and, and, a, and an Instagram. It's a little bit more difficult to use. So when I did hire my VA Milan, uh, he was just like, dude, why are you not on LinkedIn? Like you're on, but you're not on. And we have been pushing it like crazy. And I'll give you an example. Now I put together a video of, uh, to promote to general contractors, roofers, and water restoration companies in the Pensacola area or just to any, any area in general. And we've been just like pumping that like crazy. And I mean, I have met in the past three weeks, probably 12 or 13 legitimate large scale general contracting companies and roofing companies. And I've got four meetings in Pensacola this Thursday, Friday, no, Thursday, this Thursday and Friday. I'm flying to Pensacola. Are you running ads or are you just doing organic? So we started with just organic and we, we were able to get to over 500 connections, over a thousand connections. So we've done pretty well there. Uh, but now we started ads. Now, the only difference is that it's, it's pretty expensive. It's like, it's like 70 bucks a month. Right. Which for ads is, is, is kind of expensive, but come on. Come on. If I get one job, we all know that that's going to pay for itself. Go. I, I like the pay to play game. Um, I don't think you can be successful in, in business if you're not willing to pay to play. Everybody loves organic. Yes, it'd be very nice for people to know who you are and be you know knocking at your door, just dying to do business with you because you're so charismatic and your service. So that's great. But that typically comes after you've spent an exuberant amount of money and a lot of time putting yourself in a position to be known. And you create this, this magnetic you know, thing about you, your company, your brand, because people don't know you, you know, they're just not going to, you know, you, there's no way for them to call you. I think it's, I think it's a lot of time. I think it takes time. Uh, I don't think it's something that happens overnight. You know, one of the guys I follow a lot, I mentioned all the time is that Gary V guy. I mean, Gary V's is tremendous when he talks about how you just have to post more and more and more and more content. And I, I think you can get away with it organ organically for a while. It just depends on what level you really want to take it to. Uh, but but where, the, where the money's at, I think, is, is in the organic at first, and it's just a continuous, uh, continuous repeated content, just making sure you're always staying relevant because, man, you are forgotten in a week. If you don't come out with some decent piece of content in a week, I think you're just forgotten. I, I don't know. I, I agree to disagree. I believe that the goal is organic, I don't think, so for example, if someone watching this, right, says, I want, you know what, I want to, 
I want to get into the public adjusting game, or I want to get into water mitigation or mold remediation. Okay, cool. Nobody knows who they are. They have zero connections into the business. What are they going to do? If you have a little bit of, of a budget, you could literally start targeting all of the right people and start getting recognition right away and also get bottom of the funnel deals, right? People that are looking to go ahead and buy right now. That can go ahead and finance all of your ideas, all of your messaging, all of your content. And then eventually you're going to get this really, really nice, big organic pool of people. So I, I think that starting the organic route is always very difficult and it's, it's, it's a longer road. Um, but either way, you, here's my opinion. If you have to produce content, because you have to produce content, whether it's paid or it's organic, you might as well try to find the quickest ROI, put the money out there, find out who your buyers are, and then eventually just lead them down the journey of saying, hey, look, follow me organically. And then they're, 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 once they're there, they're in forever. All right, organically or paid, the content needs to be, it needs to be good. Not good. That's not the word I'm looking for. I think it needs to be valuable. It needs to be valuable for the consumer. So what I try to tell, so uh, the the group of uh, the group of people that took my course, we actually go through a whole social media part, and I talk about the importance of number one, finding your your target customer. Like mine is different because because I am a public adjuster, and I'm always I'm always, and I am an active public adjuster. I've got an inspection after our after our uh, after our podcast here. Um, as much as I'm always looking for new claims and I'm always looking for new customers, my as you, you know that my target audience is more public adjusters. I'm training public adjusters. We're sort of growing this educational platform for public adjusters slowly but surely, but I understand that. I understand that's my target audience. So when I make my videos, when I post my contents, I'm posting out different facts and different things to help other public adjusters sort of get to where they have to get to. But even as public adjusters or water mitigation companies or roofers or whoever, understand who your target audience is and you have to just really test it out. Like, I don't think it's good to just put a put a post out about saying, Hey, look, um, I'm Ecotech and I could help you dry out your, 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 I could help you dry out your house whenever you have a loss. I think it should be more, more content just like to educate the consumer about the types of losses that may occur. Uh, what are the chances of stuff happening? Just different percentages of just like, uh, I don't know, one in every, uh, one in every 10 years, people file two claims or and the chances are that they're water damaged. I don't know. I'm, I'm just, just making stuff up. Point infographics too. If you want to keep like love infographics, infographics by far and again, go on to Fiverr, go on to onlinejobs.ph, go up to onto Upwork or 99designs.com. There's a, there's a plethora of these services. Whatever industry you're in, get infographics made because infographics are the most shared piece of content um, on the internet, particularly on Instagram and Facebook and things like that. Just real quick to explain what infographics are. It's very simple. It's just when you see that photo, it's just a graphic. It's a photo of, let's say, a house with mold damage on it. And then you've got like some kind of fact, some kind of content some data on points. top of it. Right. Some data points. So what I tell, what I tell uh, some of the students and stuff, some of the people is that uh, Canva. Canva is something that, that my VA uses a lot. 
And what he's able to do is he's able to just get some photos off the internet. Actually, I send him a ton of photos all the time as well because I take photos on all my claims. And he'll go on Canva. I mean, the guy's a whiz. He's able to just knock it out real quick and he designs the whole thing. He sends me the whole, like he'll send me like 12 or 20 or whatever it is that he's done. I'll look through them, making sure that the that the grammar's correct and it just sort of looks cool and and we're good to go. We got some funny ones too. Got some ones where uh, it's like a building. I don't know if you saw this one. It's like a building, like just leaning like this. It's just been like torn down, but it's being held by like wood two by fours. I'm talking like an apartment building. And then it says like contractor right to repair. <laughs> I did see that one. Yeah. Or, or like, oh no, I think the, it wasn't, it wasn't that one. That one had something else, but it was also the one where it's like a brick building and you could see that the bricks were just like stuffed inside and said, this is your contractor right to repair. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where it's like it's like straight lines and then it's like a bunch of different like bricks. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, we use Canva quite a bit. I mean, just again, because it's quick, it's easy. Um, we send out to get some of our stuff done. Uh, we end up having to switch up uh, just so we can get fresh eyeballs and a fresh design uh, every once in a while. And yeah, that's something we've done. If you don't mind sharing, how much would you say it costs you to 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 get somebody maybe on like a five or a different place to to really to to design some content for you? Everything is negotiable, um, and everybody wants to have more volume. And if you keep that in mind, I think you can go. So, for example, like um, we can get ten infographics done, like good infographics done, uh, for like seventy five bucks or something like that. You know, now mind you, we produce the data points. Sure. And probably provide the photos too. Right. And then we just have them put it together and, and that kind of stuff. But yeah, I mean, if, if you know that on your content calendar, you're going to have, um, you know, you want to go ahead and have an infographic a week or two infographics a week. Well, you know, if you have the financial wherewithal to pay for that, you know, five months out, you can get a much better rate. Rico, are you using any kind of scheduling for, uh, like I use CoSchedule, do you use any kind of scheduling yeah, software? Yeah, so we, we've used a few pieces of software. Um, all of them have their pros and cons. Uh, we've been probably for the longest period of time on Sendable, um, and I, we really enjoy it. Okay, it works for you? Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so. So it's really good as well. I mean, it, that's probably the biggest name brand out there. Um, but Sendable is really done, uh, done really well for us. We, we use a lot of uh, Google posts as well. Um, there's some, there's some really good reasons to use Google posts, um, from an SEO perspective. So, um, I think at the time that we made the switch, Hootsuite didn't support Google posts and Sendable does. Sendable also, uh, can, you can link it to YouTube. So there was a lot of bells and whistles with Sendable. So that's why we chose to, to go that route. Cool. I know so that your good. software is really cool because even if you run out of content, it'll go back and rehash some of the older stuff, which is great. That's my favorite part, which speaking of which, which we're so, we're so booked out. Like our stuff is so ridiculously scheduled. We can, we can go to bed and wake up two years from now and we'll still have posts. That's awesome though. That makes life so much easier. You're putting the work in the beginning and then you don't really have to worry about it ever again. Yeah. The only thing that we're not that far ahead on is video. And that's just because again, as you know, the video content, like sitting down and recording video after video after video, that's a little bit more time intensive. Um, but as far as our social media posts, like that's all, that's all mapped out months. Rico, I don't, I don't think you should worry too much about like, as far as video is concerned, the quality of it. I mean, just do your best, but I'm telling you, 
as someone who puts out a video almost every freaking day, if the if the information is valuable, people are gonna watch it. And the sound has to be the sound has to be good. So like for example, uh, I have the new unfortunately, even though I like it, I have the new Samsung S20. Of course, just like Apple, they take away the the headphone jack. So now the awesome road speaker that I used to have that I used to connect to the bottom of my phone, I don't have it. But just to give you an example, I would always make sure that if I recorded a video on my phone, I use I use this bad boy right here. Boom. I got a little stand, this little thing right here. Yeah, I think we have the same one actually. Yeah, the 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 Joby, the yeah, that thing's awesome. Dude, I put that thing on the back of my truck. I put it like right on the bed or I put it on the top of the roof or I put it whatever. I could put it anywhere. I plug in a little mic and I make a video. Yeah. And you like me, you could you could you could wing it. Just think about a topic and you could just Actually, most of my videos I have to wing it. Me too. I have to wing it. If I try to structure my videos for some reason, it just doesn't it doesn't flow. And we're trying to get past that. We, I always say we, it's like multiple personalities. Um, I'm trying to get past that. But for me, it's much better because I'm so familiar with the content and with the subject matter that I just have to kind of go in. I have my talking points, but then I, we just go off from there. I believe if you know about your business, it should not be that hard to talk about it. I mean, I get, I could, I can understand people get nervous and, and they start saying, um, a lot, but I used to say, um, all the time. I still say, um, who cares about, um, like who cares? I agree. There's, I would much rather have anybody just pick up their phone. Yes. Make a horrible video. As a matter of fact, um, I was just, just recently, right before you and I got on, I was talking to a really good mold assessor buddy of mine and he just bought a camera, a camera stand, you know, a microphone for his phone just because it was on. I was like, man, you need to go ahead and do video. You need to do video. And he's like, well, you know, what should I do? I was like, just pick up the phone, make a horrible video and put it out there because that horrible video is a million times better than the guy who's consuming your content, who's in the same business, but isn't producing any content. Or it's better than the guy who doesn't produce any content. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, right. A, ba a, bad video, a bad video is still better than no video. Absolutely. A million times better. So, and eventually, like I said, you'll go back and you'll start making better videos and you'll ultimately let your personality shine through and you're comfortable with it. And it just is what it is. Here's the thing. I think that too many people are concerned about, do people like me? Do, you know, do, they, do they like the way I dress? Do they like my mannerisms? Do they like this? Do they like that? Do I have too much of a Miami accent? Do I have too much of a, you know, like whatever it is. And there's a million excuses that you can make. And all I say is stop for a second and I think this applies to most business owners, right? Most entrepreneurs are, they've got what it takes. They're just missing one little element, one little tweak, something. Pick up your phone, look on YouTube, look at what other people are putting out there. And I cringe sometimes when I see some people's content, but while I'm cringing, I'm like, good for you. Cause you're putting it out there. Like people who just don't have, I, I always use the analogy cause we've all been to a bar and we've all been, you know, to a club at some point there's two camps of guys that go out. One of them <laughs> is the this. really, really cool guy who's just smooth. And he's typically the guy holding a drink, posted up against the wall, holding up the wall. And he's just like, because he's too cool to do anything else. Then you've got the guy who just goes out to the middle of the dance floor when no one's out there and he's totally making a fool of himself but he doesn't know that he's making a fool of himself. He's happy as can be. And then eventually what happens is people start dancing with him. And, he start, and you're sitting there and you're like, how, how is this happening? Because he's putting content out there and people are reacting to it. Now you might be the cool guy on the wall making fun of the guy, 
But guess what? He's, he's having a blast doing it. He's, you know, other people are watching his content and why not? So, you know, put it out there. That's all I got to say. No, you mentioned too about the old videos. When you go to your old uh, co-schedule, co-schedule put out one of my old videos just last week. Oh my God. It looked terrible. First, I had, a, I, had, I had an old logo I don't use anymore, even though it's still on my business card. It's like a fist like this, like for the people. So I had that logo like floating around as the camera moved. And it was just, it was just, the quality was terrible. And it was just, it was, I couldn't believe it. I'm like, how did people even want to watch this? But the content and the information is so much more important than the quality. Yeah, absolutely. All about the content. And, you know, it, it gets a little repetitive, um, and you know, I think that anybody who's out there, who's looking to potentially start putting out content, um, know that you're going to say the exact same thing a thousand times or with slight variations, but that's okay. That's how long, that's how many times you need to say it. Cause not everybody who's, who's getting into your, to, into your world, um, has heard it a hundred times, right? I mean, how many times have you watched a movie or you've read a book and you, the second time around or the third time around, you pick up a new nugget and you're like, man, how did I miss that? So it's important that, you know, you're constantly talking about, and look, let's call a spade a spade. Talking about water mitigation, it's not sexy. It's not, it's not exciting per se. Um, talking about mold remediation, same exact thing. There's only so much that you can say um, before in your own mind, you start saying, oh my God, but haven't I talked about this a million times? I'm like, yeah. But if someone right now was to call you, I'm a client and I'm like, Hey, can you walk me through the, uh, insurance claims process? You're like, oh God, I, I feel like I've already said this a million times, but for me, it's the first time that I'm hearing this information. So I'm like, man, that sounds good. That's amazing. And that's like, you know, something that uh, that's another barrier that a lot of people I see get cut up on. It's just put the content out there. No, the repetition is honestly is the is the same questions I get and I'm happy to answer them. So everybody, anybody listen, I'm happy to answer them every single time, but I get the same questions every single day, like five to 10 times a day. How do I get my license? What, what software can I use to get my license? Um, what do I do? How do I help me with some water damage claims? Help me with these claims, stuff like that. And it's almost the same, like four or five questions every single time. So to, to back up what you're saying is, yeah, I could basically, I could really do the same video every single week and it's still going to be new to a lot of people. It may be old and repetitious to people who have been following me for a while, but if you're doing your job and you're really growing your, your social media following, you're always getting new followers anyway. And to them, the content is new, which is why I like, which is why I like CoSchedule because it does repeat that content. If it hasn't been used in a while, it's got an algorithm in it where it knows, well, okay, we haven't posted this in a couple months. Let's post this one again. Or we haven't posted this in a few months or a few weeks and let's post it again and let's post it more for the people, for the newer people who haven't been following for a while. So all the content that comes out, although it may seem repetitious and it may seem old to me, it's kind of, it's kind of new for anybody that's new. So, yeah, exactly. Uh, tell me about Ecotech. Um, so I, I know you were telling me, you were telling me in the beginning that you're like to, you like mold more. Uh, our, our backbone was really mold. Um, why that's is that? Where we started. Like, so yeah, funny story. That. And I think I've told you this. Um, so funny story. I came from the industry most furthest away from anything related to, uh, contracting water mitigation mold or anything like that. As a matter of fact, so my going back several years now, uh, I was in financials um, and I was a broker for a very, very long time, you know, futures and options, commodities, stuff like that. Um, and that was my thing. 
Like that's what, that's what really moved me. That's what woke me up in the morning. I, you know, just loved, you know, talking finance and, and, you know, making sales and stuff like that. That was my thing. Um, Industry changed quite a bit. You know, there's a lot of different changes and regulations that happened. I ended up um, going into my backup, which was always something that I was passionate about, which is marketing, sales, and stuff like that. So I have and still had and still have to this day uh, an agency, a marketing agency. Um, at this point, because of Ecotech, it's become much more boutique. And now I only, I only take on a handful of clients at a time. Um, that are, that can potentially have a symbiotic relationship. Um, that's basically why, why I still have my agency. But at any rate, um, the way that we started Ecotech Pro was I had a buddy who ha- was in the industry or had just broken into the industry, never worked for a restoration company before, didn't really know anything about it. And he just needed a website. So because he's a buddy of mine, I said, hey, man, you know what? I'm going to roll around with you for a couple of days so I can really understand what you do, understand your buyer psyche, the whole thing. Like, I'm going to do for you what nobody else is going to do. And that's what we did. So I committed to a week of rolling around with him. Well, by day three, I literally looked over at him and I'm like, is this what you guys do? He's like, yeah. I was like, oh, man, wait, hold on. We could do this so much better. And he's like, great, let's do it. So that was it. That was the birth of Ecotech Pro. Um, we had no connections in the business. We knew nothing about insurance billing. We knew nothing. And I mean, absolutely nothing. What we did was I developed a website. I SEO'd the life out of that thing. Um, started running some marketing dollars to it, started getting phone calls. And I think we started like in November of uh, four years ago, November first month in business. And I'm telling you, when I say we had nothing, we didn't have an air scrubber. We didn't have a dehumidifier. We didn't have nothing. Like people say that they bootstrapped things and they had a hundred thousand dollars in the bank. Like, no, when we say we started from nothing, that's what I mean. Um, first month in business, we did 20 December, we did 40 grand in business. Uh, and then we just kept literally just doubling and doubling and doubling. And we were just two-timing it. Um, fast forward about a year and a half, we became a regional company. We have offices here uh, in Florida as well as in Atlanta. And we've just been off to the races uh, since then. We did that all for any restoration company that's, looking, that's uh, watching out there. Um, we're not the biggest boys in the block, but we don't do any TPA work. We don't do any third-party administrator work. Uh, we didn't start, we didn't do our first insurance job till probably around a year and a half ago, two years ago. It was all 100% cash pay and we did very, very well. Very well. That's a good, that's a good story about just really starting at the bottom and growing it just one client at a time. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's what we did. And, um, to this day, the majority of my business model is actually cash pay. Um, when I talk to a lot of restoration contractors out there, um, here's the thing. I think that I got into the business at the right time for me. Uh, and what I mean by that is I wasn't jaded and I didn't have these preconceived ideas about how the business actually works. Uh, the fact that, and also I was very, very, this, I'm very comfortable talking about numbers because numbers are just numbers. And in my opinion, if you, know, you don't have 30 grand to throw around, well, then we need to take a step back and reevaluate why you don't have 30,000 to throw around. So my mindset comes from that. Um, so I oh, would that walk comes, in. That comes from your background with numbers. Right. So I right. would walk into a project and I would just say, hey, great, no problem, Mr. and Mrs. Jones, this is what we need to do. This is how much it's going to cost. Thank you very much. And that's, it's as simple as that. I would ask for 
the order, ask for the sale, ask for the ticket. That's what I would do. And we built our entire business on that. So we never had a cash flow issue. And other people uh, in the industry, when you get taught how this whole thing works, you realize that you go in with your little measuring tool and you measure here and you measure there and you measure this and you get your Xactimate thing ready. And then you say, Mr. and Mrs. Jones, I'm a really, really nice guy. Look at my beautiful smile. By the way, I'm so nice that this isn't going to cost you anything out of pocket. Go ahead and sign my AOB. Thank you very much. And that's how they build their business. We didn't, we did it in reverse. So now when the AOB things started, you were fine. That didn't affect you at all. People were literally freaking out. They're like, oh my God, the industry's changing. I'm like, what are you talking about? And, because, and again, I wasn't being arrogant. I didn't know any better. So I just didn't know that there was this thing called an AOB, right? That's um, funny. Yeah, I didn't know. Like, I didn't know. I felt like, you know, fish out of water with talking with these, you know, restoration companies that have been in the game for five, 10 years. And uh, when they would say, you know, when I would tell them what I was doing, they're like, how do you do that? I was like, I don't know. I just asked for it and I get it. Now we've, we've also, we've used the tools. Yeah. Out of yeah. How do you do it? I mean, honestly, how do you think you do it? If you could, if you could just pinpoint some, a couple things, how would you say you were able to do it? I market to, I think to the right people. I I market to bottom of the funnel, people that are ready to go ahead and take action. Um, and I use the tools at my disposal. And those tools are number one, first and foremost, I don't BS clients. I don't scare them. I don't, I don't tell them, oh my God, everyone in your house needs to, needs to leave because there's mold. You have small children. You have an elderly mother. Like I don't use those tactics. Um, I also do not feel the need to justify a $15,000 remediation inside of two days by making up the story. Um, I'll tell people, and I know what my competitors are. I know what they charge for what, um, especially once we're going up against, you know, the larger named, uh, franchises, I know what their numbers look like. Um, just from being in the game for a while now. Um, and I just tell them, look, this is what the price is. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Your job is what you want me to do is you want me to come in. You want me to get out as quickly and as painless as possible. And then I just ask for the order. And for me, that works. I think because my delivery is so non-BS and what you see here with me is pretty much like what you get no matter what. Um, so I never, I never do that whole, hey, Mrs. Jones, you know, <laughs> my pleasure to meet you. Like, I, I don't do that. Um, I'm just very straight up. I don't scare people. I tell them how the process is going to work. And then I also bring in people that can help me um, make that deal possible. So um, this will lead into the relationship with public adjusters and how um, public adjusters for me have been a really, really good asset. Um, I use public adjusters in two main ways. Number one, I use public adjusters as a selling tool. Sounds bad, but that's what I do. So my goal is obviously I want to service the client. And if we have to build insurance, we will build insurance, but let's just talk about cash pay. Obviously, bird in hand, better than two in a bush. If I can collect cash from a client, to me, that's better. This does a couple of things for all parties involved. Number one, I don't have to charge exactimate pricing. I don't because I'm not chasing down this money. So by default, I can actually lower my pricing a little bit. This does a couple of things. Number one, it makes it feasible for the homeowner to actually pay. And then number two, it allows us to be in and out and not have to chase that money down for, you know, 60, 90, 120 days, go through, um, you know, the, the entire process of possibly getting denied. Like we don't, we eliminate that headache 110%. So, but now what I also say is I tell the client, I'm like, look, we, you're going to go ahead and pay for what we're going to do. And 
my recommendation is contact so-and-so, here's a public adjuster, and what they're going to do is they're going to make sure that not only you get reimbursed, but that you're made whole, 100% whole. And, you know, the first question is, is, you know, well, how, you know, how much do they charge? I was like, it doesn't matter what they charge because they're going to pay for themselves, period. If I'm making the recommendation to bring in another person, it's because this is really what you need. And I explained these benefits to them. I was like, look, if you have the financial wherewithal, you can pay cash. Great. I can give you a little bit of a discount on, on, look, this is money that would have been spent anyways. Exactly. Either I'm hiring an admin person to chase down my money. I mean, and I speak to public adjusters all the time. Most of these people that are putting out AOBs and direct payment authorizations and all this stuff. Yeah. They're putting out these big numbers, but they're collecting they're, on something. They're negotiating. They're getting down to probably your number or even lower anyway. They're getting, I'm, I'm telling you, like I've compared apples to apples. So I, I, I know what we're talking about here. By not doing TPA work, I'm not already going into this prefixed game. Um, so I can price how I want to price. What does is, what is TPA stand for again? Uh, Third-party administrator work or, okay. or program work, um, you know, contractor connections, stuff like that. Anyways, so, um, you know, and I explained those benefits to the client. I was like, look, if the desk adjuster sees my estimate as opposed to, you know, the big green franchise, right? As Ooh, opposed to that, that, I don't I know. <laughs> um, as opposed to their estimate, the desk adjuster might just say, oh, wow, I wonder if they made a mistake. Oh, wow, this isn't too bad. You know what? Let's close out this contract. To me, that's more important. Um, I, I know I have a public adjuster buddy of mine who's literally, he's got, I think, a $90,000 claim that's being hung up because the restoration company doesn't want to go ahead and knock down their price by 1500 bucks. And I'm like, it's insane. And, and you could easily tell the client, here, pay me the $5,000 that it costs for the restoration. Now, you're going to get reimbursed for it anyway. So it's like, what's the big deal? Yeah. So the main thing. thing that's, a quite, that's quite an interesting strategy. Very unique. I think it's, I think to me, it's so funny because that's kind of the response that I always get. And to me, it's like the most natural um, transition. Like to me, how could you not ask for the, why wouldn't you ask the client, do you have the money to pay for this? That makes, nope. that makes perfect sense. And how to often. me, in my mind, it just, it never clicked. The funny thing is that most people that file claims, it's usually their first claim for the most right. part. Maybe it's their second, but for the, they don't know how it goes. That's why they hire professionals anyway. And they don't, they don't know any better. They don't know any better. It's a service you're providing and it should be paid out of pocket, especially if they're getting the money back. Who cares? That yeah. makes perfect sense. I can't believe that. I've never even thought about that either. Yeah. And, you know, again, I've never had someone. How, how, much, you know, kick, how much kickback or not kickback? How much, uh, how much like, uh, do they tell you, how much do they tell you that they don't want to pay? Like how much like, not, not, that's not the word I'm looking for. How much like uh, friction do they give you? you? What my win rate is? Like with as far customer. as like, how many deals I close out of how many I visit? With, Just with the customer itself, getting, getting paid by the customer directly. I think that my win rate is, is right up there with anybody else's win rate. I think right now, our, as a matter of fact, I can tell you exactly what my win rate is for estimates no, versus not, what I close. No, 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 no. From getting the client to pay you out of pocket. Pretty well. I mean, out of every, out of every three, two of them are paying me out of pocket. Wow. That's pretty good. But, it's, but I don't, I mean, maybe, you know. Maybe. I mean, I just think it's yeah, you the know only difference is I'm asking for it. You know, the, yeah, but you know as much as I do, the industry standard is don't worry, don't worry, we'll build the insurance company. You don't have to worry about it. Right. And to me, that just, that just carries a lot of risk to it. And, and again, like full disclosure, 
I'm okay with it. Like I'll do it. I'll, and if the customer does not have the financial wherewithal to pay out of pocket, no big deal. It's no big deal. I'm not sitting there and I'm hammering for money. Like, you know, I don't want you to get me wrong. Um, but that is my first option. But like, this is how much it's going to cost. And these are the benefits to doing it this way. You know, and we kind of go that route. And if they just don't have it and they, but they are insured, then we'll go through the insurance route. And, and I'm perfectly fine with that. You know, but once typically in my mind, what if I take an insurance project, I'm not counting my chickens on that, <clears throat> on that check. Right. And why did you say that you prefer the mole jobs more than the water remediation jobs? Because that's the, that's the area that we got into first. Um, it's not that I really have a preference. It's just, it's what I'm really, really comfortable at. Um, no one can get mad at mold remediation. No one can get mad at mold remediation. You can get upset as a consumer. You can get upset about a dry out. And there's a lot of messed up things in the, in the industry, right? Um, the, a lot of industry, a lot of pros are trying to double dip. And even though they don't say that they're dip, double dipping, they're, that's really what they're doing. Uh, they'll do a little dry out. And again, insurance companies have kind of formatted this in a way for people to have to kind of work the system. Um, yeah. But so, right. So for example, three-day dry out. Okay, not, a, not all structures can be dried out in three days. They just can't, right? Most can, but not all of them can. So the moment that the insurance industry says to someone, hey, um, you know, you are only going to get paid X amount. You have an X amount water cap or whatever the case may be. Now that person is, you know, trying to put in fans and get fans out. They're probably still leaving it with some degree of humidity, which later on is going to cause mold, but they know that that's going to happen. So that way they can come back and charge for the mold and all of that. That customer may not be happy at that point. Sure. The company got the water mitt and they got the mold remediation, Right but there could still be some animosity there. With mold remediation, as a general rule of thumb, again, my perspective, you can't get mad at any aspect of mold remediation. So long as you show up, when you say you're going to show up, you set up your containment, the way you're supposed to set up your containment, you protect the job site, you cut out what you're supposed to cut out, remediate it, and the test comes back with an A-OK, you're, you're as right as rain. Like the customer is happy and thrilled. With dry outs, there's, you know, there's, there's a lot of other elements there that you, know, you can potentially point a finger at, but mold, it's you know, quick, easy, effective. And yeah, that's, that's really what we started off as. Uh, we do a lot more water mitigation now uh, you know, with dry outs and stuff like that. Also, it was less equipment intensive in the beginning. Right. You know, I didn't need to have inventory of 100 fans. Like we didn't start that way. We didn't buy into a franchise. You know, so for us, it was, okay, cool. What did we need? We needed a couple of air scrubbers in the beginning, like the full disclosure, we bootstrapped it. If we would, I would close a job, pick up a deposit, go rent machines, come back and knock out that remediation in a day or two. Nice. Yeah. So part of our thing is how quickly and effectively we can get in and out of a project. Um, with, with mold remediation. There's, and again, I know that just probably, I'm probably, you're probably going to get so much heat on the comments here uh, from other restoration mm -hmm. companies. Um, but this business has a lot of dog and pony show to it. And remediation, oh, you need, you know, you need to run these air scrubbers for, you know, two weeks and you need to do this and you need to do that. The reality is I've never had an issue um, being able to be in and out of a project inside of a three-day time span and, and fail inspection. What's your, what's the, what's your mold remediation process like when you go into a house? Simple. Um, 
we obviously protect the job site first and foremost, right? Um, secondly, we set up containment as needed, depending on the scope of the uh, of the project. Um, install our HEPA air scrubbers. If we if there's a humidity issue, bring in our dehumidifiers. We cut stuff out. We HEPA vacuum everything. We apply, apply the antimicrobial solution. We use um, a um, uh, non-toxic biodegradable uh, hydrogen peroxide based solution. Uh, so it's one of the only ones out there that actually has USDA approval for it. Um, so that is kind of a, a selling point for us because most other restoration companies don't, they use the same mold control, concrobium, you know, all of these other regular type deal. We have our own stuff that we use. Um, and then we allow the air scrubbers to run the time that they're supposed to run. We come back done. Like, it's not, it's not this crazy process. Any kind of right? mold testing done? Did you do the mold yeah. test in the beginning and at the end? I'm sorry, what was that? The mold test? Who does the mold test? Someone else does the mold test? Someone else does the mold test. Yeah. Right. yeah. We don't, we don't, yeah, that's, that's a, a conflict of interest. Right. Um, there's, there's a lot of companies out there that do it and that's fine. We will test, but not to disclose to the client. We will test to know whether or not the client should spend the money on a test. Because I'm not going to hand over that job site, not knowing 100% that we have a clean bill of health. And also it secures me because if the mold assessor, you got to remember mold assessors don't have a lot of skin in the game. They have 350 bucks, 450 bucks, 700 bucks. Um, it's not a lot of money when you're really thinking about A, the fuel to get to and from, the cost of the actual lab, things like that. So there is the possibility for someone to do a test and say, Hey, you failed. I need to come back out. It's possible. And it's not, you no. know, it doesn't happen often, but in the event that that happens, I can say, no, look, here's my test. Show me why yours is different than mine. Gotcha. So I, I protect myself that way. It, it protects the customer and it protects me as a company. Uh, is that all you guys do in regards to mold and water dry outs? Do you do any kind of like mitigation yeah, in regards so to tarping do, and stuff like that? Yeah. So we'll, we'll do, we'll do tarping. I mean, all of your real, you know, your full restoration, um, you know, we will do, um, you know, we have relationships with people. We do all of the putbacks as well. Uh, the rebuilds, uh, we do the tarping, um, you know, biohazard cleanup, like unattended deaths and stuff like that. Um, you know, fire and smoke restoration, you know, basically all your, your, your full gambit of, of what it is that we do because we've been doing this so long though on the mold side, that's what the majority of our revenue comes from. Uh, but we do it all. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. One thing that really bothers me is the insurance companies and the people that they send out. I don't know if you have any, I don't know if you work with insurance companies directly. Uh, I, I don't know. Honestly, I don't know. Uh, but the dry outs that they do sometimes are just, just not up to par the way they should be. And an issue that I deal with all the time is clients calling me saying, Hey, they sent out, you know, big green, big green truck or whatever to come out here. They set up a couple of machines and they left. We got to switch it up. We got to do big green truck, big orange truck. There you go. <laughs> and they come in, they set up a couple of machines and they leave. And then they come back three days later, they pick up the machines and then they leave again. And then it, I, I go in there, I go in there with my, you know, with my own little water meter and everything is still soaked. Uh, you know, and that's, that's an issue I deal with all the time. And I have, I'm not, I'm not discouraged to, if I come in there day one or day two of those machines being in there by the company that has been sent out. And if I don't think that they're doing a sufficient job, I kick them out of the house. I tell them to come pick up the machines and get out. And get some and get a real professional in there. It's an issue I deal with all the time. 
Yeah. I mean, again, it's, a, it's about using a little bit of common sense. And I think that the people that are doing program work, and again, nothing wrong with that. I mean, you know, there's, just, there's fantastic companies that are doing program work and they treat it just as if it was a cash pay or if it was top tier, uh, top tier client. I'm not saying that there's not good people out there, but there are those instances which you've run into quite a bit where once they got into that program work, they're in a little box and the company said, you have to charge this. If not, we'll give it to Joe Schmo down the street. And look, it's, it's, it's cool to hear the pitch of, by the way, you'll be busy all year round. We're just going to call you and we're going to give you work. We're going to hand feed you work. That's really, that's an attractive thing to hear as a business owner. But again, there, there's a price to be paid for that. There's, two ways to live your life. You could either, when it comes down to not making money, number one, you can work your rear end off and I can say ass, right? You can work your ass off. You can work your ass off. You you might have to bleep that. You can work your ass off and not make money or you can not work and not make money. I would rather not work and not make money. Like if I have the option between working and having you know have all these commitments, all these responsibilities, and I'm still going to be in the negative, or just sit at home and just wait. I'd much rather sit at home and wait. Absolutely, absolutely. You know? the The other thing I think it, the importance of working for yourself and working on your own time, your own schedule, and being sort of the you determine the fate of yourself and your business. I think it's much better than than having someone else determine it for you. And I've always said that I'd rather be broke working for myself than rich working for someone else. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's like the entrepreneurial disease, right? It's like, as long as you're in control, you're perfectly fine with the outcome. It doesn't make sense to me. It's like, like you said, how it doesn't make sense, which I think is fascinating. It doesn't make sense that you would just build the insurance company directly, that you could just get paid directly by the client. It doesn't make sense for me to have to work for someone else. It just doesn't, right. doesn't make sense to me as an adult. I have to be told when to go to the bathroom, when to take a break, when to have lunch and when to, uh, and, and I had to be, had, and control my, my, book of business too. You know what I'm saying? Like you're not building any long-term relationships that way. To me, that's not fun. You know, when you're running your own business, you're building nice long-term relationships with a lot of people and man, you meet a lot of cool people. You meet a lot of good luck. You and me met and that's freaking awesome. And you only yeah. do that as entrepreneurs by meeting new people. Right. Exactly. And there, but there's certain, look, man, and I get it. Um, life is long. You can't ever, you know, um, you can't ever say that something isn't going to happen because you never know what's going to happen tomorrow. Um, I might be punching a clock tomorrow. I've, I never have. Um, I can't imagine myself doing it. I would much rather sleep on the floor than clock in and clock out. Um, I mean, heck, I've been there. Like, I know, I know what it's like. I know what it's like to like not have, like drive a Jag and not have a place to sleep. Like, I, I, I've lived that. But throughout that, I was in control of what was happening. Um, but there are people, I think, that... Um, hit a point where they're like, my responsibilities outweigh my ambition and you're forced to settle at that point. And that's just a very, that's a very, very sad, I think, existence um, as, as a human being. Like, Well, it's hard too after a while, you know, once you have kids and you have a family and you've been working at that same job and you never taken that leap to, to work for yourself, you get stuck because you start making 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, hundred thousand dollars a year working for some kind of company. It's hard to get out and then start from scratch because you know, as much as I do starting your own business, starting your own company, it's a struggle in the beginning. It's a struggle for a while. You have times where you are broke. You have times in the beginning where you are worried how you're going to put food on the table. How are you going to pay rent? How are you going to pay your mortgage and stuff like that? But 
in the long run, my favorite is when I would, I don't, obviously I don't hear that anymore, but when I was a young, you know, young kid, just like getting out there where it's like, my parents would say, get a real job. It's like, what's, what's a real job. It's like, what's a real job. What's a real job. Well, that's the beauty too, right? About just everything that's going on right now with technology. There's just so many more opportunities. People are always talking about how technology is going to kill jobs. It's such bullshit. I mean, it creates so many jobs. It's simple as look at looking for the opportunity. Yes. Yeah. I mean, look at well, look at Amazon, for instance. If you do want to be somebody that clocks in, clocks out, I mean, they've got hundreds of they got millions of jobs available, and you could yeah. just go. You could you could you could uh, fill an application. Chances are you're going to get the job because they're searching for people to work for them. Amazon actually provides, you know, those trucks, you know, those are all little small businesses. Did you know that? Yeah. Yeah. I, I just found that out just a few weeks out. ago. Yeah. yeah. If you have enough money, which it uh, takes some money, but if you could go to the bank, get yourself a loan, whatever you, they give you like a fleet of trucks and you can hire your own people and you're basically working for yourself, but sort of working with the, probably the most successful business, the, the most successful company in the history of fucking company. Right. Yeah. Awesome. No. Yeah. I mean, either that or like drop shipping and stuff like that. I know that you have a little bit of a drop shipping business, don't you? It's the it's Amazon. It's not drop shipping. I heard about drop shipping. It's not that. No, we actually have our own. We actually buy directly. You actually have your own product or whatever. Yeah, we buy directly from the manufacturers. We've got two supplements. One coming up now. We're going to be selling really, really soon. We just rebranded the entire thing and we got a whole new logo. The next supplement's coming out hopefully in the next month or two, and we're hoping to have three more before the end of next year. And that's right. something we're really excited about. Supplement Arena. I think it's great. Yeah, I mean, any anything. Well, you know, I learned from uh, Tim Ferriss in the four-hour work week uh, that if you're going to have a four-hour work week, you need to have you need to find a product to sell. You know, the only right. issue that we have in our business is that we we're, we're service-based. So we have to right. be there in order for us to make money. And, uh, you know, that could become a little a little difficult. It could become a little time consuming. And right. uh, if you're able to sort of have a product that you could develop that you could put together, uh, i.e. supplements or i.e. Um, educational material that you could right. sell online, then you're able to make money while you sleep, make money while you travel, make money while you're not necessarily having to go and go business to business and person to person. Right. So. Yeah, just finding a product that you can go ahead and sell is is always nice. I mean, especially in today's economy, like there's no stability anywhere. Like you don't know what's going to happen. I mean, this whole COVID thing, you know, with just oh. businesses that just le legitimately had to shut down. Like who would have, if they would have told you January that restaurants were going to have to shut down, you'd be like, come on. Now I have my, my, my cousin in New York. He owns a coffee shop and a whole coffee brand, Cafe Integral. It's, it's phenomenal Nicaraguan coffee. Well, he has grown to a point where he's been able to diversify and watch where I get back to because at the end, when, with COVID, when, COVID hit, there almost, when COVID hit, there was no diversification. He has his own coffee shop in New York. I think he's got two or three. He's got one in Chicago. He's got one in LA. And then he also uh, sends coffee directly to um, uh, businesses, uh, offices, so that mm -hmm. they could have their coffee in their offices and hotel and hotel chains. So he's like, all right, I'm good, right? I've got stores, I've got hotels, and I've got uh, office buildings. All three had to close down because of COVID. Yep. So he thought he was diverse, but he wasn't, not with COVID. And it's just insane. Right. It's just insane. I went to, uh, I went to, I was in, uh, I went to the Grand Canyon and I was in Arizona and we did a little kayaking. And the guy that took us out in the kayaking I mean, this poor guy, this poor guy, he moved from, he moved from, I don't know, I think like Wyoming or something. And he moved to Arizona so he could start this little kayaking job that he was working and he was only going to work in it for, I don't know how long. 
The guy moved there in February. And in March, COVID hit. And there was no kayaking. Everything was shut down. Grand Canyon was, was closed. All these canyons were all closed. All these tourist places were all closed. And he just opened up just a little while ago. The guy was a nice guy, but honestly, poor guy. He looked, he looked, he looked beat up just from the last six or seven months. You know, I feel yeah, bad. This is where like the online space, um, you know, for as an entrepreneur, like yes. you, know, you need to be thinking um, about, you can't, you can't rest on your laurels. I mean, as a restoration company, you can't, uh, you really got to be thinking outside the box. If the people that are doing program work, if all of a sudden the insurance companies say, you know what, we're going to go ahead and hire our own contractors. We're not going to give the, anybody any of our work. What are you going to do? If, you know, all of a sudden, like whatever, you like, that's why you just have to be diversified and find different ways to, uh, to create revenue. I mean, that's, that's the thing. I think it's the name of the game today. It's not like 40 years ago. I think with entrepreneurship, there's been people that say that you should have like at least three or four different income streams. Seven is the norm now. Is it seven? Yeah. That's what they say. Yeah. Investments like, you know, stocks and real estate and maybe another side business yeah. and then your real yeah. business. And then the, the money you work for, right. Your, your hourly, your salary, whatever, your money, you work for your real estate investments, your passive investments, things like that. I mean, it's just literally a laundry list. They say that the average millionaire, whatever has about six to seven uh, streams of income. Now, I don't know if that's necessarily the, the number to strive for, or if you just want to have, you know, whatever it is that, you know, if you can build a business around your passions, that that's cool. Um, you know, doesn't always work that way though. <laughs> you don't know, but you know what? Here's the thing. Like, it can you can become your passion. You can become passionate about just about anything. Like, you know, if right now you were making, you know, $2 million a year selling socks, I promise you, you'd be passionate about socks. Absolutely. So, you know, just, just, just fall in love with the process, fall in love with whatever it is that you're doing. Yes. Um, you know, put the blinders on. Don't worry too much about what people say. Anybody who's doing better than you is never going to criticize you ever. Like that's just not going to happen. So, you know, just, just walk your own, walk your own walk, right? Just whatever industry you're in, just try to be as good at it as you possibly can. Some people you're going to connect with other people you're not. And, uh, you know, if you just have enough stick and stay, I think that anybody can make it. Chop wood, carry water. I recommend it. A book. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Really cool story. Super easy read. I read it in just, and I, 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 I'm a, I'm a big reader, but I'm not a fast reader. And I read this in just a few hours on the plane ride back, uh, just last night. And, right. uh, it really does talk about enjoying the process, obviously staying in the moment. Don't think too much about where you want to go because I have an idea of where you want to go, but don't think, don't be obsessed with it. Cause it's just gonna, you're never going to get there. Right. Cause we're always, we're always trying to get more and more and more. Obviously don't dwell in the past, but what they talk about what he what in the book that they talk about, and it's a story about a guy who basically decided to become, he always had a, uh, he was always fixated with samurai uh, bow hunting. Uh, and he went to a place, I don't know if it was Japan or in America, but he was trained by a sensei and he was trained by the sensei. He was ended up being there for like 10 to 15 years. And the whole book is about the sensei giving him all this life, all this life models of what to live by and, and lessons and stuff like that. Cause he'd get frustrated. He wasn't as good. He was spending all this time working in the beginning. He, the guy didn't even allow him to pick up a bow. He had to just chop wood, carry water, chop right. wood, carry water, like wax on wax off type stuff. Right. And he talks about those who are most successful. They don't, they're not just passionate about it. They actually have a mission. There's like an actual mission in their life and you have to find a way to do something that actually achieves that mission. So if your mission is to help others and service others, when you have to make sure that that's your actual mission behind your job, because if you're just, if you're just trying to make money or if you're just trying to hit a certain goal, uh, you know, once you, you're never going to have enough money, 
There's always going to be another goal that you have to achieve. But you, ha if you have a life mission, then it's going to be much easier for you to be successful, make a lot of money. And even those times that you are not successful or you feel that you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing, you're still on your route, on your right. mission. Yeah. And just being prideful in whatever it is that you're doing. Um, you know, it sounds cliche because everybody's heard it, but if you're, like, you're, in a, you're in a position to where you're a janitor, just be the best damn janitor you can be, right? Yeah. Um, if you're in the mitigation game, then, you know, put those fans down with a whole lot of love and, a, and do it while you whistle and you'll get paid more. You know, you'll, you'll be, become more valuable. Um, just there, there's a lot of room for growth in any industry so long as you're willing to do it, you know? Yep. And it's funny, man. It's all about perspective, right? Like if you just, if you choose to, to, to smile and just to be somewhat upbeat about what you're doing, regardless of how bad it is, it's going to be a lighter load, right? It's just, it's going to be easier for you. And it's easier for you to get into a rhythm. Um, you know, uh, Tony Robbins talks about, uh, you know, physiology quite a bit. Um, I, I don't know if you, how many people you've hired in, in your life. I know in our side, there's a lot of labor involved. So we've hired all sorts of people. And you could tell the people that just, you know, walk around with their shoulders down and their head down. And I'm like, what? And you, you it's always the same person. It's like, what's, what's wrong with you? I was like, oh, well, woe is me. I was like, you know, and I, I literally put people through the exercise. I'm like, okay, well, cool. Stand up straight. You know, just stand like this for five minutes. I'm paying you. So either way, this is how I want you. And it's amazing. You can see people's physiology change. You, you really, regardless of how smart you are, you can really only hold a certain amount of data like hard data in your brain at one time. And if you're all of a sudden concentrated on your posture, you're concentrated on your breathing, you're concentrated on being optimistic, you can't be negative and positive at the same time. It's just, it's just impossible. Huh. I never heard that, that physiology thing. Yeah. I mean, you just can't. Yeah. Tony Robbins talks about that a lot. Um, I think he like, calls them like incantations as well. He's got like this whole like breathing and body exercise uh, that people do. Uh, uh, <laughs> oh, we started on that. Uh, that. That movie is so ridiculously accurate. You have no idea. Wait a minute. Cause you were sort of in that business, right? I was in that business. You were, and but you, that were, is, you were in New York and through I wasn't all in that, New York. Though. No, I wasn't in New York. I was, I was, I was probably uh, second generation Stratton Oakmont. What? So what? So everybody's, so everybody's hop Stratton Oakmont. I was second generation, uh, third generation because the people who work there, that's where I first got exposed to it. And then I worked under them. So everybody's hopped up on cocaine, quaaludes and uh, alcohol. Bro, this is a family podcast. No, no, it's not. It is not a family <laughs> podcast. You can I mean, say whatever you want. Say, when I just say don't name, that, just don't name names. <laughs> um, when I say that the movie's accurate, it's, it's, it's accurate. Look, you're dealing with a lot of young guys that you're dealing with a lot of young guys. It's a male dominated business. The women, by the way, that were able to crack that, they were the best, the best, the best, the best, the best. Like they, if they can handle the objections, they can handle because they would just embarrass guys into, into, into selling. I, I love women salesmen. They're the best. If they've got the grit, they're the best. Anyways, but it is for the most part, male dominated business. Um, if you're in your, if you hit 27, 28 in that game, you're a dinosaur. 27, so, 28 years old. Yeah. You're, you're a dinosaur in that game. Like, yeah, it's mainly, it's driven by, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of young guys. Most of them really aren't bright. Um, it just it is what it is because all you have to do is give them a script and be loud, enthusiastic, and just have the willingness to work. And that's what it is. And then, you know, that, that's, that's what drives them. Huh. 
And what 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 were you doing when you were there? Like uh, you had to take the whole series seven and all the and all those tests and oh, series seven series um, series Excuse seven. Excuse my ignorance. I no, 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 no. Series series seven is your uh, stock. Um, we never did. I never did uh, stocks. Uh, we were on the futures and options side. So things like gas and you know heating oil and corn bean and soybeans and stuff like that. Yeah, futures and options. It was what about what about that uh, that show on Showtime that I can't think of it right now? Billions, billions. I love that show. Fantastic, but yeah, that's a whole different. Yeah, that's a whole different animal. Like that's like that's real. That's the real deal right there. Yeah, yeah. I watched that show and all I want to do is invest and trade yeah, and buy yeah, yeah. and sell. I don't like stocks though, man. I mean, I'm in, I'm invested, but day right. trading for me, I got a buddy of mine who <clears throat> was a big time gambler, is a big time gambler. A guy, a guy gambles all the time. He loves it. And when there were no sports, I mean, he was like, he was like bored. He had nothing to do. And I'm like, dude, you need to look at stocks. You need this. Right. I'm like, this was built for you. I said, I don't like it. Uh, my dad was a big time gambler. So I don't know if it's just like jaded me. I just don't, I'm not, I'm not a big gambler. I was just in Vegas for like three days. I played four hands of blackjack. Right. And that was it. Right. 120 bucks though. But that being said, it's, it's not my thing, right? Um, and I'm like, dude, this is for you. You need to do this. Fast forward now, three or four months. I mean, the guy is obsessed with it. He wakes up at 5 a.m. He looks at all the pre, all the pre, pre-market uh, trading going on. And he's right. just like, he's starting from zero. I think he invented just, I think he invented, I think he invested like, I don't know, not even a thousand dollars. Just little buy, little sell, little buy, little sell. He's been just growing and growing and growing, and he's getting to his goal where he now he's got some. Long-term he's just day investment. trading every day. Day trading every day. Yeah, he's probably just scalping. Yeah, it's probably what he's doing or whatever it is. I don't have the patience. I don't have the patience for that, and I'm also a little bit too emotional for that. So when I get like a little, just like, oh no, I gotta sell, or you know, I'm unfortunately, although I've got a, I've got an investor uh, that invests my money, and I watch it all the time. And and when the when the stock market crashed, you know, I've learned, and I learned from Tony Robbins because he actually wrote a couple of good books about. He's got two good books. Yeah. Yes, I re- I read both of them. And he talked about like, you just you stay away from selling when the stock market crashes. Like, don't worry. The history has shown it'll keep going up. So when the stock market crashed, my wife was just like, you got to take it all out. And I'm like, no, we're going to put more in. So I yeah, actually dollar put cost average in. down. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the, the, the real the real riches is made when the market is down. When everybody's running for the hill, if you're going in, but you, you have to be prepared for that. That means you can't be splurging. You can't be doing right. you know, the stupid stuff while things are good. You have to be preparing for when things, that's really where a lot of money is made in, in, in the markets anyway. So yeah. So yeah. So anyway, that's a really cool story. Like that was, uh, we were in that game. That movie is really, really accurate as far as the overall mindset, uh, on how things work. It's definitely a young man's game. Um, I mean, I'm more than positive that I can, I can pick up the phone with the best of them. As a matter of fact, I like That's one of my things. Like, you know, I hear that people say, I'm a salesman. I'm a closer. I'm like, what do you do? I sell cars. I was like, okay, Buddy, you have someone going to you, to your lot. They got out of their car. They're looking around. You're not selling. You're taking right. an order. Or like people right. are like real estate people. It's like, I'm a closer. Eh, is someone, did someone call you to go show them a house? Yeah, they're an order taker. Try calling someone who doesn't know your name, doesn't know your company, has never requested information, and then still go ahead and get seven figures, eight figures on the phone. They don't know what you look like. That my friend is is closing. I you're from Miami, right? Uh, no, I'm uh, West Palm actually. Okay. Um, the three hundred five yeah. number throws you off, right? Do you know FIU though, right? Florida. Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. So I went there, and um, I needed a job, and I wanted to be a sports management major, 
and they put me to work in the football department selling FIU season tickets before the year before their inaugural season. So obviously, you know that they were going to be bad. No, or was it the year before? Or was it the year after they went their year one? They went zero and twelve. They didn't win one single game, and I was I was hired to just sell season tickets strictly commission. And we used to have a board. And I'll never forget that board. And I used to just have a list of phone calls, and I'd have to call one by one by one people I've never heard of, and um, I did pretty well. But well, you know what it is to sell season tickets to a team that just inaugurated zero and twelve the first year, and you're trying to sell season tickets. A lot of rejection. But you learn a lot. You learn a lot with sales. You learn yeah, a lot, you, you know? Really, really do. I think that any, anybody you know, getting into any kind of business, like their first stop should be a really, really hard, non-tangible uh, product to sell. Like that should be, that should be like, that should be college. If you're going to college, you should be taking a course just on that. Um, and well, if see, you're going to college, you should literally pursue some kind of horrible sales job. Well, see, they don't teach you that stuff in school. They don't teach you that stuff know. in college. You know, I wouldn't know. I, was, so, I never stepped foot in the college. I did. I did. Um, <laughs> and I was so I, uh, this past week again, I went to uh, I met a friend who's, who lives in California and he met us up at Lake Tahoe. And we were just, you know, just catching up. We were talking about and he mentioned he's like, yeah, because I, I said I used to I said I used to cheat off you just to get good grades. And he's just yeah. like, yeah, he's like, but you also negotiated with all the teachers to improve your every single grade. What, you know, the week before the report card came out and the teachers would sort of give you what you're going to get on your report card. Right. I would schedule little appointments with each and every teacher and I would find a way to move every single class, one letter grade, every single one, either from a, from an A to an A plus, or most for me, it was from a C to a C plus or from a C plus to a B minus. And I would just say, Hey, what can I do? What extra credit can I do? And he would just laugh every freaking quarter. Cause he'd be like, Vince, what the hell? And I'm like, look, I guess that's, that's what puts me where I am today. It's amazing, I bet. And, and again, you've never told me this story, but I am willing to bet that just by the sheer act of asking, you didn't have a whole lot of extra workload. Sometimes it was just as easy as asking and boom, you would get that little bump. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't like lie. I wouldn't, I mean, okay, right. sometimes maybe I would say <laughs> stuff is going on at home, whatever. But honestly, for the most part, it was, what can I do? What extra credit can I do? What report can I do? What book do I need to read in this last week that I could bump it up? So it wasn't, right. but like you said, it's you taking out the time to go out of your way to ask, which is entrepreneurship is you really just going out of your way and, 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 and calling that extra person, making a physical appointment. You know, one thing I'm doing now is I'm making a lot of Zoom face-to-face -face appointments because now, yep. dude, get on the LinkedIn train. And if you want, we'll take you, I'll, 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 you, I, you, me, and Milan, we could you know, sit together on a Zoom thing. Awesome. And he could just really tell you sort of his strategy on helping me. And, um, you know, he's, he's, he's connecting me with all these people. And instead of scheduling a phone call with them, I'm scheduling a face-to-face, -face, you know, and, and it's been, and it's been working. It's, it's almost as, I could see your eyes. I could see where you're looking. I could see if you're listening or not, you know, it's as right. opposed to a phone call where it's not quite as intimate, you know, right. but I'm going out of my way when they're sending me a message or we're sending them a message and they're responding is okay. Right. When can we talk? You know, I don't, right. I tell everybody with networking, when you go to a networking event and somebody gives you your card or you have a little conversation with them and you give them your card, it's not over because That's you're never going to see that person again. You're not going to get anything from them unless you at least send that text later, make that phone call later to meet one-to-one -one in person. You can get to know the person. Business right. relationships is all about relationships. I need to get to know you not just right. about your business, but I need to get to know about you. And the better we know each other,
And people are horrible at networking, absolutely horrible at networking because everybody, I personally dislike 99% of networking meetings. Look at this. Yeah. Look at this. Yeah. People I, I, people I will never see again. Right. It's those people are just like here. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's horrible. Like, you know, there's like no, there's no etiquette. Um, and I really dislike a lot of uh, networking meetings, not because I don't like to network. I love talking business. I love talking marketing. I love talking about, you know, what we could do, but most people, they take networking. Their idea is, Hey, here's my, um, you know, here's my business card or, um, you know, Hey, what can you do for me? And it's like, everybody's got their handout as opposed to like actually coming from a place of service. There's a really, really good book. I read a very long time ago from, uh, with, by Jeff Gittimer. And I believe it's the little black book of networking or something along those lines. Look up Jeffrey Gittimer or Jeff Gittimer. Um, he's a old school sales trainer, really, really, um, small little books, really good fun to read. Um, and he's got a lot of good marketing, uh, not marketing tips, but, um, networking tips there. Um, but it's all about how you can be memorable. What I do a lot now is what I, because I realized this is most contacts are lost. Good contacts are lost, right? Because life gets in the way. So I now, whenever I, I do a cold outreach or someone reaches out to me, I literally put them down in an Excel sheet and just keep track of every data point that I possibly can um, and make sure that I don't forget to follow up with them about anything, anything. Like, Hurricanes you know, and stuff? Um, if I have that data, yeah, I'll go ahead and I'll make sure. Look, it takes like, you know, again, VAs, right? Like, Look through who, what upcoming birthdays do we have? Boom, send them something, send them a card. Um, I think that those like personal touches are important. Um, but even if something That's as simple as sending idea. a text message. That's a good idea. I have a vendor list. Um, you're on there. Oh yeah? Uh, yeah. And I try to put, I try to put as much contact information, I, but I no, I'm sorry. I only put contact information, but that's a good idea. Maybe to put some notes on there. Just like, you know, yeah, but Rico likes, further, Rico like, likes technology stuff or marketing stuff. And you know, yeah, well, I come and that's, across something something. That your VA can, that's something that your VA can look at, right? Your VA can literally, depending on the size of your list, you could be like, Hey, do me a favor, find everybody's social media profile, do a deep dive on everybody, find out what they really like. Some people post, post stuff personally that maybe they like, you know, the, uh, New York, Giants or the Miami Dolphins. I don't know why anybody would like the Miami Dolphins, but it happens. <laughs> hey, look, I can say that stuff. I was born here in Florida, so I'm good. Dude. Well, dude, hey, you, you know what? Hurt. I'm not hurt. I'm not hurt. We've got Tua now. Did you not see the game last night? That guy freaking balled. He was amazing. We won. No. no. Uh, I watched zero sports. Unless it's like MMA, I watch zero sports. But anyways, but just do a deep dive. See what people like, what they don't like. And now you've got an additional data point. Um, another thing that is really good, especially like for someone like you, is you know, the text message drops. Text messaging drops are really good. Um, I think I've got it actually here. Um, one of them is uh, Sly Broadcast and Easy Texting. Um, one which is a voicemail drop service. And another one, which is a text messaging service. Easy texting. Huh? Yeah, easytexting.com. And then there's another one called Sly Broadcast. Um, but it would be something simple, something that I could do all, you know, and again, it could just be something as simple that with the voicemail drops, I love them because they're so personal. And because most of the people that I deal with are busy, they're busy professionals, it wouldn't be unheard of for you to miss a call. Right? So the voicemail drops are really cool because the, I could just say something like, Hey, how's it going? Just want to go ahead and follow up with you. Do me a favor. I just posted a brand new video on YouTube. I just want to get your feedback on it. Let me know what you think. Boom. Like it could just be something like that. But to you, it sounds a hundred percent personal. Now, mind you, I didn't say, Hey Vince, 
Hey, Mr. Pre- like, I didn't say any of that. I just, Hey, what's up? Just real quick. Wanted to follow up with you. Hey, do me a favor. Take a look at this. If you were to hear that voicemail, you'd be like, I wonder what Rico, and then you'd more than likely call me back. Right. And there's like a million other tricks that you could do. And you can send that to your entire list. And now everybody that's ever handed you a card, you're building a personal relationship with. So you're staying, you know, top of mind. I just got a phone call two days ago from a roofer that we would probably have a conversation once a week about a year and a half ago and went ghost. I legitimately forgot about this guy. I forgot about him until I saw his name on my caller ID. I was like, oh, wow, it's been such a long time. So in other words, it happens. So if you're not actively trying to find creative ways to be in someone's phone, like you know, that. then I think you, you, you could lose a lot of business that way. I like that easy texting. That seems, that seems pretty cool. Yeah, it's creative, you know? And there's, there's tons, of, tons of variety that you could do with that. Did you go to Pensacola? No, I did not. No? Are you going to go? Probably not. How was the storm last night? Uh, I'm in the West Palm Beach area. Actually, I'm out west. Um, it was nonstop rain all day. Like it was all day, all night, nonstop. How was the wind? Pretty bad. Yeah, right? Pretty bad, yeah. Because you guys had, I saw, I was scrolling through Facebook yesterday and Brian Norcross live and he's, he was just focusing on this one band that was just straight across Fort Lauderdale area. Yeah. Yeah. No, we were getting all pretty the way west. I mean, of course, the further down south, I mean, was, was probably getting a lot more of it. Um, but yeah, it was still pretty bad. So I, you know, typically I don't, unless there's a massive, that massive storm or a major event, I typically just, there's plenty of diamonds in your own backyard. Like there's plenty of people that are in my backyard. I really don't feel, I'm not going to be any richer. I'm going to stress myself out more. It's just, it's not, it's not worth it to me. I like coming home. I like playing with my kids. Um, I like to be relaxed. I like that if one of my friends, because typically if I have a relationship with you, you're a friend. Like I'm, I'm very, you know, tight like that. If I can't, if I don't, if I don't want to go ahead and have a lunch with you, you're probably not going to be in my contacts for very long. Right. Um, I like to be at the disposal of one of my real estate friends. If they have a mold issue, um, whatever, there's plenty of business right in your backyard. Um, I think there's a time and a place to chase storms. Um, we as an organization, I don't feel that we're there yet. yet. When you're no, well, I guess, Okay, because I was going to go the other direction. I guess you need more equipment and stuff like that. That's the reason why he's chasing big storms. But to be honest, <clears throat> I think that's more something for people who are just starting out and they're really looking for the job, the jobs, and they're looking for the work, and they haven't built their relationships yet. Then it's a good, at least for public adjusters. But yeah. for me now, when I see a storm coming, I'm like, oh no. Yeah, you're like, oh no. <laughs> I don't even want to deal with it because it's just right. it's overwhelming. And I got you know I got this happening now, and I kind of like this, you know, and I and I still do my claim. For you guys, I would assume it's a little bit easier because you could like literally just go out there and it's you. For a restoration company, you're mobilizing. You're mobilizing your crew. You're mobilizing. Yeah, that's true. You're mobilizing. Um, So to me, to me, unless it's a very, very good opportunity, I probably again, I don't, I don't get distracted by the shiny objects as much as I once did. You know, so I'm perfectly fine just sitting in my backyard. And we we service a pretty large area, anyways, as is. Um, I mean, we go all the way down to like South Miami. We'll go, you know, uh, you know, basically the entire state of Florida for the most part, um, contingent upon the size of the, of, of the project, of course. Um, but yeah, and that, that's plenty, that's plenty for us. You know, the, the South. What's, uh, what's next on the Ecotech uh, horizon? 
Ecotech is, um, you know, really what we're, we're, what we're most excited about is uh, doing a very, very hard, heavy push into the um, uh, biohazard aspect of the business, the uh, unattended deaths and stuff like that. Um, it's, a, it's a real, I don't want to, let me be tasteful. Um, it's, a, it's a really cool side of the industry um, that most people don't think about. You you could get hired by like the 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 county, right? And then yeah, I you know get hired by anybody. And right, every- you go in the <clears throat> a guy that used to work for me. Uh, that's what he used to do. He used to he used to have the late night shift, the overnight shift, and he'd go to 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 taxi cabs and to unfortunate places like uh like the Miami Dade. Uh, what's the the subway? Not the subway, but the the I, I don't know. He'd go to the metro rail, metro rail, and the bus, and he'd have to pick up people who had just committed suicide and brain guts and all that stuff. Yeah, it's it's a it's a, it's a it's it's a really interesting business. Um, not, for some reason, most people don't even think about who does that kind of work. Um, there's a few companies out there. Uh, there's one really really big uh, company um, that's a franchise, and I just I for months I've been reverse engineering like what they do, how they do it, as far as their marketing and positioning, and it's nothing impressive. So we've been doing a full court press uh, on our entire uh, you know SEO strategy to. Uh, really start, you know, banging out a lot more of those projects because it's so in, t- in tune with the mold remediation stuff that we do that it's such an easy transition. So we've been doing a lot more, a lot more of that. And we've got some really, really exciting things that we're trying to uh, roll out. Um, I believe that you should be able to acquire clients before they need you. Um, so b- a big part of our strategy is how do we get into people's mailboxes? How do we get them to start building a relationship with us and us with them before they ever have a water mitigation? or mold issue or fire issue or stuff like that. So we're working on really creative ways to, uh, you know, open up some conversations with, uh, you know, potential clients in the future. Cause this is certainly a long-term game. You know, not everybody always has a, uh, water, uh, issue or a mold issue. Right. So, um, trying to find <clears throat> ways to get creative. How, how is it that you're primarily doing your, your marketing on the, um, on the, uh, public adjusting side? Honestly, it's mainly right now it's LinkedIn is big time. And I'm meeting just, I'm trying to do a lot of strategic marketing. As, as are a lot of pros this. reaching out to you, making the yes. connection, or are you going straight to consumer? No, I'm reaching out to the pros. I'm reaching out to the, to the, to the, that have your leads, to roofers, to contractors, to plumbers, to water restoration companies. Those are the guys that I'm trying to meet. I've been meeting with a lot of them lately and I'm trying to just, again, if I could just get a handful a handful of good good connections and good people that I've connected with. I mean, and they bec- we become referral partners, then that's it. We're good to go. Right. Yeah, it really doesn't take a lot. It just takes a couple of people that are in that's your it. corner that that's like it. you personally, that like that's to do it. business with you. That's and it. it's amazing what just five good connections can do for you. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, it's just, it's crazy. Like, I've, built, my, I've, I've built my business with just one guy at a time. And then there's maybe another guy, one or two, you know, I mean, honestly, that's what's done it for me. Yeah, so I mean, even with like the, sub, the subcontractors that I've used for, you know, some of the like to put back stuff, we sit down with them. You're like, look at how much like this year to date has been so far. I mean, it's so just one, and I'm just like me, like just right. one little company. Imagine if you have four or five companies like me that are that are doing that. That's why that's another main reason why I love the restoration game is because you are literally, if you know how to position yourself, you're dead smack in the middle. And then you could be, I don't want to say the center of attention, but definitely the center of revenue because then you can get the public adjuster who gets to wet their beak and help the client. You've got, you know, the drywall guy that gets to wet his beak and the roofer and this and that and the general contractor. And it's, it's a really good position to be in to, to, to basically have, you know, the asset because we control for the most part, we always control the asset 
um, whatever the project is, because whatever the emergency is, we're pretty much the first ones on scene. And then we kind of distribute the rest of the revenue from there. I like it. I like it. That's what it's all about. You need to start it. You need to start a podcast. Um, yes, that's enough, bro. It's so much you have to do, right? <laughs> it doesn't podcast. Stop. Yeah, I, I don't think so. Here's the thing. So we've been thinking about this. Me, my, my wife and I been thinking about a podcast. Um, I'm still trying to fine tune like what that direction is going to be. Cause what I, in, in a perfect world, I don't, I, I hate to bite the hand that feeds me. The, the hand that feeds me has always primarily been the consumer, the end consumer. Um, so we're thinking about content for, for the end consumer, but then there's only X amount of content that you can create for the end consumer. Um, and really honestly, I don't think that any, any, you know, homeowner is going to be like, let's listen to a restoration podcast. Right. So that there's that aspect of it. I do think that there's a way to introduce some of these concepts, the uh, buyer beware, what you know, consumers should be looking for, what questions they should ask, but at the same time, gear that towards the restoration uh, guys or even new guys getting into the business. Like if I would have had someone mentor me, like I didn't have a mentor, like we had to figure everything out the hard way. Right. Like if my contract, I say jokingly, but my Ecotech Pro uh, consumer uh, contract, client contract, that's probably an $80,000 contract. Hmm. Because right. it cost me that much to fine tune it enough times to, you know, because every single time when you don't know, you don't know. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's a lot of lessons along the way, right? Like where to market, where to spend your dollars. One of the hardest things for a lot of people, which is why I think they take, um, they do a lot of the program work is they don't know how to market. Like they don't know how to get to the customer. And when you think about it, and now mind you, I've called some really, really good marketers. Um, I, I don't know if you're, you're kind of in the game. Are you you're familiar with Billy Jean is marketing? No. Oh yeah. That sounds familiar. Yes. Yeah. He's actually got like a Wolf of Wall Street video, right? That's yeah, 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 yeah. I, I think I you might've told me about him. Yeah. I've literally like called their offices and be like, Hey, look, this is, this is the business that we're in. These are, these are our ideal customers. How do you market? And it was like crickets couldn't figure it out. So like th th there's a lot of aspects of marketing in this business, a service emergency response business that's very, very difficult to market and to do it well sure. and to produce long-term results. So th yeah, I think that there's a lot of um, potential for a podcast. I'm still kicking it around. I don't know if I want it to be a solo act or an interview act um, with, with other pros in the business. There's, what's unfortunate here is this. There's not a lot of big names in our industry. Like, like, like big names that transcend the restoration lines, right? That can actually tap into mainstream. Um, so we we're trying to figure out who we can bring on to actually launch it, to create value and yet still introduce Ecotech Pro and to position Ecotech Pro uh, for the pros, but also for the end consumer. It needs, to, it needs to serve like a dual purpose. If you've got any recommendations, I'm open to it. For example... Again, you know, there's, there's, so for example, your market, looking at you, looking at you, right? If we were just talking about marketing for you, your market is easy because you know exactly who it is that you want to target because you're, you have a program specifically for the newer public adjuster or guy who's just, or gal who's looking to get into the public adjusting game. You can, you can target that and you can cultivate that seed. Um, obviously whatever I do now still needs to generate revenue for Ecotech Pro. So everything that I look at is through that lens. I don't necessarily uh, want to produce content for other pros per se, unless that's going to 
lead to a customer who's ultimately going to buy my product. You see what I'm saying? No, but you mentioned uh, nobody's been transcendent. Uh, you're talking about getting somebody who's who's away from the industry and 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 plugging them in somehow. Well, yeah, that for, about- for us that would be our approach. Um, there's really creative ways to do that. So, for example, like right, every mar- there. If I was doing a podcast for the pros, right, which is probably who would listen the most. Um, there, the, there's only so many, uh, restoration companies that you can interview before they're capped out because mm-hmm. nobody knows like who they are. And it doesn't matter to me. Like, you know, you got, who's the founder of, uh, he's one guy that I follow on Instagram, which is, has a really cool story. He's like the founder of 911 restoration or whatever it is. Um, he's got a really, really cool story, you know? Um, so like, he's like a really cool guy that you can interview, but then also being able to tap listeners that are not into the restoration game, but they still get value. For me, that's where the money's at, right? That's where the money's at. So for example, if you have like a Gary V, let's just use him as an example, right? My wife says that I fanboy all the time with Gary V. Me too, man. He's the man. But let's just say, for example, you could, you could talk marketing with Gary V. He's on your podcast and he can go ahead and give some tips and tricks. Well, guess what? Not only are all the restoration listeners going to benefit from that, but guess, who else, guess who else benefits from that? Everyone Me. else. Why? Yeah. Because God only knows how many people in South Florida listen to Gary V who have no idea about the restoration industry. And now they are familiar with Ecotech Pro. Now it's worth the follow. So what I'm trying to put together, which is the reason why I haven't launched a, an official podcast, which isn't totally true because I've interviewed, uh, we, we do have Restoration Domination, which um, we've interviewed people um, like Bill Yeadon for, from, um, uh, from John Don, um, uh, the owner of Service Monster. Um, so we've, inter- we've, we've got a couple of interviews already in the mix, um, but how we're going to package that and put it out there, we're still trying to figure that out. I like that. I like that. We'll see. And actually, maybe, because maybe, this might be too much for, for the audience, but I've got a really, really, really awesome tip on how you can go ahead and tap into some really, really big following uh, and really piggyback off of their... Uh, off of their audience. Um, and it's a really, really cool strategy that I think you'll enjoy. So there's plenty of ways to like tap into that. Is that something you're going to share now or is you're going to keep that a secret? You think, you think I should? Yeah. Okay. Fine. So we'll, we'll, we'll do it. I mean, it's only been two hours, but that's okay. All right, fine. Fair enough. We're finally just getting into the rhythm. Okay. So one of, one of the things that, um, being, being perceived as good is, is important in business, right? And sometimes being successful by proxy is all it takes. So if you have the ability to interview um, someone in your industry, someone who's doing big things uh, is always good because now, first of all, you're basically getting free consulting out of the deal. Who doesn't want that, right? But really what you're doing is, is that now you've got that video um, that you can use in all of your marketing moving forward. So the best way to get someone that typically would not speak to you is to promise them views, guarantee them views. Okay. The way that you do that is very simple. Find whatever, whoever it is that you want to talk to and look at their, you know, last month of video posts, see exactly what their average is like actually figure out the average of video views and then multiply that by a factor of three. 
and tell them, hey, look, and then reach out to them or their assistant or whoever and be like, hey, even if you don't have a podcast, even if you don't have a YouTube following, it doesn't even matter. But if this is something that you're looking at, um, then you just reach out to them and be like, hey, look, I see that on average you're getting 20,000 views. We'll guarantee you X. Uh, or I see on average you're getting 300,000 views. I guarantee you X. And that's it. And the way that you do that is actually quite simple. If they're big enough to where they have an audience, then you're basically taking that video, uploading it organically, right? In other words, no outside link. And then you are boosting the post. Don't run an ad, but boost the post. And if you can, boost it to their audience or, or to people that have the very, very similar interests. And because you're not running an ad with an outside link and Facebook, for example, is seeing this as organic, you get a lot more bang for your buck for pennies on the dollar and you're keeping up your end of the bargain, which is you're putting that person out in front of whatever, you know, uh, first of all, in front of their own audience, which you know, they're going to watch the content or an audience that they really like. And it's only costing you a couple of bucks in the process. So it's, it's a great win-win because now you got a fantastic interview. You tapped into their market. And now you're an authority by proxy and you were able to get a video. How would we do this then? Give me an example. Just so, for example, like what I would do with with you is I would literally like take this interview and then assuming that you had um, I don't know which by the way I've looked I just don't know the, the numbers because I already thought about this. Um, depending on what your viewership is, let's say that you get forty thousand views, then um, what I would do is I would just take a snippet of the video, not the whole thing, like a snippet of the video, maybe sixty seconds of the video, which is another key factor. You want to go ahead and do only sixty second clips on Facebook because you want to trick the algorithm into a 10 second view now is a bigger percentage. Um, and then I would just, assuming that you had enough of a following, I would run that ad directly to your page, directly to your followers, and then other public adjusters or whoever it is that you're targeting now, because you are so popular in the, with public adjusters. Well, guess what? Now I'm interviewing you and I just put my message in front of all of your people. Nice. So yes, I'm paying for it. But now I'm piggybacking off of your success because now people say, oh, well, Rico's on there with Vince. Vince isn't going to have some Joe Schmo unless he knows that, that you know, the guy's good. Well, then guess what? I'm good at what I do. If not, you wouldn't, we wouldn't even be on this interview. Yeah, right? we'll put together, we're gonna, uh, before now every podcast, there's like an intro of like a highlights, 60 second highlights of the best parts of the intro. So you could, you could have that. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be great. But that would be fantastic. And this is such a great way to piggyback ethically off of someone that typically wouldn't speak to you, right? Yep. But you're giving them something. You're saying, hey, look, I'll guarantee you, and depending on the industry, it might not make sense, but you know, guarantee someone 250,000 views, you're, you're talking about nothing. But here's the beauty about this. Now you've got them pixeled. Now right. all, you don't care about the video views. You care about this, this thing that you're building. So now what you do is every time you have a piece of content, you go ahead and put them into that little bucket, retarget them, pennies on the dollar, right? Before you know it, you have such a crazy asset of people that know who you are, they like you, they end up trusting you, and you're constantly front of mind. So there's, there's really cool ways to do it. So for us, unfortunately, because there is no behemoth in, and if you know of one, please let me know. But you know, there, there's really no like major, major name in the mold remediation, water mitigation industry. I Big mean, there's- Big green truck. Huh? Big green truck. Nobody knows who, no, it's not. Like who? Well, Everybody who? knows who Sir Pro is. 
Yes. So what? They know the company, but who's the person behind that? It's Mm -hmm. all individually owned. No one that, why? What am I going to do? I'm going to talk to some guy who's making $20 million a year because he he bought into a franchise. That's, That's nice, but you're not the guy. You might be the guy that has the answer for a $20 million question or a $10 million question, right? So there might be some value there. But again, regular Joe Schmo, you know, Betty Sue, who's at the house, who's, she doesn't know Surf Pro. And her, he and I having this conversation is no value to her. So be, and however, you get a Gary Vaynerchuk, you get a Billie Jean, you get a Dan Henry, you get any one of these great marketing guys. Now, all of a sudden, I'm tapping into their network of people that also own homes here. Now I'm the authority. That's what we're trying to figure out. Well, if we can convince those guys the way you were convinced when you did that shadowing for three days about the business and how successful it could be, if we could convince those guys who are master marketers as well, you know, then maybe we can get onto something. Yeah, I mean, I, this is, I mean, this is entrepreneurial. What we're doing is we're, we're entrepreneurs and that's what those guys are doing. We're marketing, we're building relationships. We're, we're doing all these things that any entrepreneur has to do. I mean, yeah. when I told people I was going to do the whole YouTube video and all that stuff, they're just like, what, how, how much can you talk about insurance claims? I said, right. I said, a day in the life is very interesting. You know, right. besides yeah. the communicating with the client, just the losses are all different. What you have to deal with are different. The fights with the insurance company, the fights with some of your clients and negotiating back and forth with your clients and negotiating back and forth with their, with the insurance company. There's so many different aspects to it that I actually, I think are very excited. And that's what made me think where I kept... I would come home and my wife would ask, how was your day? And I would run off all these stories every single day about here's what happened with this client. Here's what happened with this insurance adjuster. This guy was an asshole. This guy was really nice. I can't believe I met this guy. And every day she's like, man, every day is always something new. And I'm just like, hello. And I think as you progress, it'll get even more like as your business grows and as you can actually throw some more dollars behind it to be able to allocate someone to literally film the in the, you know, in a day in the life of and be able to really follow you around and be able to piece you know, um, a, a claim from day one to the day that it settles and be able to put that story together. Like that's really where it gets really, really interesting, you know, because now at that point you're becoming big enough to not only the people in the industry, you're giving them a tremendous amount of value, but now you're getting people that aren't in the industry who says, you know what, this public adjusting thing seems really, really cool. Like, this is awesome. This guy's like moving into, because now you just, you went from public adjuster to entrepreneur, which everybody can relate to. Anybody who's in business can relate to the entrepreneur. Another common, another common comment that I get is, I never thought about being a public adjuster until I ran into your videos. Yeah. So, and something that I've thought about quite a bit, because again, I've been on so many, I've, I've, I'm so diverse as far as, you know, what we've, what I've done. Um, you know, I, I think that a lot of people are trying to pursue a career behind the computer, right? Whether that's online marketing or they want to go ahead and start a marketing agency, or they want to be, you know, a Facebook marketing guy or an Instagram per- person. And they, they have this whole idea of a laptop lifestyle. And because it's such a big trend that I think that there's a lot of people that are looking at this now and they're like, oh my God, I don't really want, I want, I don't want to be in four walls all day. Like I don't want to be behind a computer. So something that I thought was just really, really interesting, like if I could tell someone, hey, look, I can guarantee you, you know, that you and a truck can generate $20,000, just you and a truck, can, I can show you how to generate $20,000 a month in revenue with over 75% profit margin. 
and I get you to do something outside, talking to people, building a real brick and mortar business that you can scale to the moon and you don't have to be stuck behind your computer all day. I know that so many people would be like, oh my God, that sounds so nice. Because even when I got out of the business and I, I got on the field a lot more, I was like, oh my God, this is really, really nice. I still get to do everything that you love as an entrepreneur. No day is exactly the same. And you've got, I've got something now that I can leave to my kids and they can leave to their kids. Like it's a real brick and mortar business. Or you could sell. Or we can sell, which that's another piece of advice for every single entrepreneur out there. Treat your business as if you wanted to sell the business, as if there's an exit strategy. You yeah. have to. It'll make you so, too. so, so fast. Uh, you'll be able to track your numbers. Like we, we've gotten eight or 10 of about tracking everything. That's good. How about you? You, get, you like geek out with the spreadsheets over there? No, I'm not good at my attention to detail is very low. We established that in, in last week's uh, podcast that I did with Eric. That's, that's, not, that's not one of my strong suits. This is my strong suit. I need to hire people to help me do that stuff. Uh, we do yeah. keep track of a lot of stuff, but that's not, that's not my... Yeah. I mean, Hey, that's the beauty about like all of the, the VAs now, like you could literally, you know, figure out what you're good at, figure out what you're not good at. Like I realize I'm not good at the details. I know that I need the details and hence that's why I'm on top of it, but I don't physically do all the small stuff. I'm the broad stroke. And then I just literally sub every, or just hire out every single one of those tedious things. And that's it. And as yeah. long as you have really, really good SOPs or your, your standard operating. That's routine, what we're doing right now. That's actually what I'm in the process of doing. It's going to change your, really? I hope so. Oh, I your entire business. Because what's really interesting is, is like, like you're an impressive guy, right? In what you do, you've got a lot of irons in the fire. Cool. But you don't even, I can, I can guarantee you that you don't even know how much stuff you actually have kicking around in your head. Yeah. If you were to take me out, then that, take everything out as opposed to if I could right. put it all on paper. Right. But when you start developing like really good, solid SOPs, you're breaking yourself down into each and every single task that's important to your business. And you're developing a system for that task. And the beauty about that, and this is where I really think people become successful or they fail in business. The beauty about that is now let's say, you know, from how you answer a phone call to email sequences, follow up for claims to whatever your process looks like, right? You can have different people at a very, very good rate because now these people don't have to be talented. They don't have to be good. They don't have to be skilled. They just it's have to be able to do that one thing, right. right? Which literally you can go on to, and I know that some people think that this sounds bad, but you can go on to onlinejobs.ph and you can literally change somebody's life by paying them a dollar twenty-five to a dollar seventy-five an hour, and you're doing them a favor, and they're happy to do it. Why? In the Philippines? Why? Oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Oh yeah, I mean, like for us, we're like, oh my god, that's that's slavery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, no, no, no. You're providing someone a lifestyle that they want at a buck twenty-five to two dollars or three dollars an hour. We feel bad, and we pay our VA. Like, and again, like, just goes to show: do as I say, not as I do. Like, you can, and we've gotten them when we really needed to at. $1.25 an hour to do certain tasks. And then sure. of course, if they stick around and we feel bad, we just, you know, bump them up to right. something that we make sense sleep better at night for our own reasons. Absolutely. But, but the reality is you can now take anyone and you can basically automate your entire business. So the SOPs, I guarantee you will change your life. And then once you start tracking all the other metrics in your business and you put that on, uh, you know, an Excel or like a Google sheet, it's, it's a game changer because now 
you can go ahead and have a conversation with anybody and just open up your Google Sheets and you can say, what's, what's your win rate? And here's the thing about an entrepreneur. An entrepreneur, we're all legends in our own mind, right? Like how many do you, Rico, how many deals do you close? Oh, I close eight out of 10 deals, right? And then when you look at my numbers, it's like seven out of 10 or like right. six out of 10, right? right? You're like, oh, well, Rico, I thought you said you were, right? But now we never have that issue. Like what, what did last month look like? I could pull up my, my sheet and be like, last month was X amount of estimates, X amount of phone calls, X amount of estimates, invoices, X amount, closes, X amount, whatever. And I can break it down. And then that gives you such clarity as to what you're doing. And it's honest because you can't even lie at that point, right? You right, can't lie to right. yourself, you know? So yeah, it totally, it will totally change the game for you. Yeah, I have, a, I have a spreadsheet of all my claims, all my all my clients, my estimate, insurance company's estimate, what we settled for, and then the percentage of what I was able to settle for, and then all the way it, it averages out on what I average out in my settlement percentage. Right. Have you ever looked at that and be like, wow, I didn't realize that I did that well, or in, wow, I thought I did better? In the beginning, I thought I did better. And I'm just like, oh, shit. Right. And yeah. so, and, and this is like, I'm telling you, like, year, and even for us, like, our first, like, year, like, we weren't tracking it. Like, I knew the importance of tracking it. But we were going at a million miles a minute. We didn't stop. Um, but I had to like literally pump the brakes and everything and be like, okay, great. We need to like really understand this. Sure, sure. And once we did that, it was a total game changer for us because we always think that we're doing better than what we actually are. And to be able to to look at a sheet and be like, mm, did I really do that? Right. You know, it, yeah. it, took, it puts things in perspective, you know? Rico, we could go all day. We could go all day. <laughs> fantastic this well, is like you know like joe rogan style let's just let's just let's just go <laughs> I, I mean yeah what was i gonna say too who uh who you got um uh, mike tyson or roy jones mike tyson all day what i don't know mike tyson all day i don't know roy jones, roy jones is no good did you see him running on instagram the other day dude mike tyson all day. roy jones looked like he was 95 years old um, pound for pound, there's, there's, in my opinion. No, and he's, and he's on so much HGH right now. I'm sorry, but you cannot be what pushing sixty and looking the way he's looking right now. It's impossible. Mike Tyson. I'm not saying he's taking steroids, but that guy's taking a lot of uh, good, good uh, old man juice like uh, Sylvester Stallone yeah, and something, and Schwarzenegger. With that, we're, we're, absolutely not. How old are you now? Thirty-seven. Two more years. If you're not juicing already, you will. Be. For sure. No, no, no. I could see myself. I uh, know, but I think I think they said it when you get to mid forties or you get to about fifty, right? Is when the testosterone really drops. Once you start getting like thirty five, like you'll have a, you'll start to dip on your on your testosterone. And of course, right. there's arguments for that. Um, yeah, yeah. I personally like I geek out on all like the biohacking stuff. Uh, what's this guy's name? Like Dave Asprey. Um, I think every entrepreneur should. Um, I don't know who that guy is. He's uh, bulletproof, bulletproof coffee. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. See, we got to interview him on our podcast. We should. We should. <laughs> um, yeah, but I think, but see, this is the kind of stuff that I would say. Like my podcast would be so eclectic that it's kind of like you know, which is why I love watching your stuff because you have different people. It's not necessarily like industry related, although it is. It's just a tremendous amount of value, which is which is great. Um, but I yeah, just anyways, don't like I, what I love about the podcast form, which Rogan talks about all the time. I like the long form conversation and there's so many interesting conversations that I have on a daily basis. And I'm just like, wait, we need to put that on a podcast. Like I, listen to Joe Rogan's podcast. There are sometimes three hours, four hours. And I can't, sometimes I can't listen to the whole thing, but it's good. Mm -hmm. And I just, I pause it and I get back to it and I pause yep. it and I get back to it. Yep. And so here's the, you just gotta, and there's other podcasts out there that do really, really well. And they're 10 minute little snippets. I think 
it's, it's a great way for people to get to, everybody wants to be a fly on the wall, right? And if people like you, they like you, they want to hear your content, um, you know, and always trying to, you know, Joe Rogan's got a whole different, you know, thing, but you know, for, I would say for people like us, we're always trying to drop value. So I'm always mindful of that. Like, yeah, we can get off subject, but how can we present a little bit of value um, to whoever's listening? Cause that's important. Right. Right. Yeah. But, but you know, there's just so many things of value that occur in a conversation. Like, you know, yep. just, I mean, we didn't really get into it. And that's another thing that I've noticed is when I do a podcast, we don't really get, start to get comfortable and really start to get into it until like an hour, an hour and a half in. Right. And then it's like the conversation gets even sweeter. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to start telling people that because every single podcast that I've done, when it hits like the hour and almost a two hour mark, the conversation gets a lot better. I've noticed that. Yeah, I, I never, uh, on any time that I do an interview or a podcast, I never, I have the start time and I don't set up an end time because you just never know. And there's nothing, I would rather take an interview and break it down than wish that we had more time to discuss other things that are important. Absolutely. Like, like that to me, it's always better to take away than to be like, oh man, you know what? This was just getting good. We were talking about this subject. Like what's going, like, you know, how can we drop some value bombs and stuff like that? Which by the way, you need to program a bomb sound into your, uh, do you have it? You don't hear it? Ah. I don't know. That was an applause. And laughter. Drop like a, like a bomb in there, like uh, Jim Cramer style, you know? I got, I got laughter. I got applause. I got a sad trombone, which you can't hear, but you can't hear that. Uh, I got like a harp. I got crickets. It's too bad you can't hear it. I mean, it's too bad. I wonder why I can't hear it. I wonder if it's because we're doing this on Zoom now. I just hope that when I post it, is it going to have, is it going to be like this where it's little and big or is it going to be side by side? It, no, it should be side by side. It will be? Because you, 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 can, you can format it. I hope so. All right. And before we stop recording, do I just click stop recording and that's it? Yeah. And then you're terrified. Good. I'm losing it. Yeah, just stop recording. And hopefully you have enough, uh, enough memory in your computer yeah. or upload it to, uh, to the cloud. Yeah. But yeah, but either way, you have the content on your, uh, uh, road, what is the, the road, road, road the roadcaster pro you have your little SD card in there. I got my little SD card in there. That's great. Yeah. But I find a way to screw it up. I always find a way to screw it up. I figure, you know, it's, it's only the six one, I think, right? Six or seventh podcast. I'll get it right. Come like a hundred. Yeah. No, I mean, you know, I think, I think you're doing just fine, but the SD card with the big play button, like, I mean, it's, it's such a great set. I told you, I forgot to press the play button in the last one. <laughs> and you were like, what, 15 minutes in already? 15 minutes in. That's awesome. So let me ask, let me ask you a question now. Let's kind of switch roles here. What's if um, for, I've noticed that there's a lot of tension between um, public adjusters and mitigation companies and restoration companies um, where either the mitigation company feels like the public adjuster is going to screw them out of the deal, which I've personally been on that side. Um, or the public adjuster feels that they need to go ahead and take on the entire claim. Um, and they kind of push out the mitigation guy, um, you know, because they feel that, you know, the mitigation guy's going to drop the ball. Like, is that a thing for you guys? Not for me. I like to keep it. I like to keep it separate. If you come in there to do a dry out or mold or whatever, I'd rather not have anything to do with it. I mean, I'll, I'll take, I'll take a copy of your file just for my file, but I want you to send that to the insurance company. I want you to negotiate that. I don't want to have anything to do with it. Whether, right. whether it's a, 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 whether you get paid $5,000 and you present a $20,000 bill, that's not my problem. 
Right. You know, I mean, yeah, even if I referred you, that's fine. It's still not my problem. You're the one doing the dry out. You're the one doing the mold test. I don't have, with the people that I work with, I don't have any any friction whatsoever. But I have heard stories from mitigation guys who are just like, uh, where the public adjuster gets mad because of an overcharged bill or the public adjuster gets mad because they think that they're making them look bad. I got well, that's a thing, man. Where... Like you gotta, and I, we've talked about this before and anybody that goes back and ever sees like, I'm sure that I've mentioned it a million times because I'm, I'm big on this. There's the customer that you obviously have to market to and you have to keep them happy. But there's a whole other level of lead flow, and that is the pros in the industry. Whoever it is that is referring business to you, you have to treat that deal better than anything else. Like when I say, if I get, and I think we've talked about this before, if I get a referral, my number one thing is, okay, what is, what is the pro trying to get out of this? They're, they need to look good, period. Right. So like, for example, I have, a, I have a few real estate people that send me some business and the last transaction that we just had on Friday, there was just a total shit show uh, from another mitigation company or uh, remediation company that was there. Their testing was totally off. They had like a 45,000 mold spore account and uh, like, it was just horrible. Right. The, my friend reaches out to me and he's like, Hey, you know, can you just take a look at this report? Took a look at the report. And I was like, there's already some funny stuff going on. My number one priority is making sure that to his client, he looks like a champ, that he brought in the A-team, that I've got the answers to all the questions, that I'm not blowing things out of proportion, et cetera. Once that transaction is done, my next priority is to make sure that he's still looking good. My goal is to go ahead and make sure that the client calls back whoever the referral source was and be like, yo, that was amazing. That was such a great experience. Or even like sometimes real estate agents, um, if they call me for like an air handling unit sanitization, whatever, I'll leave behind like a little, um, you know, air purification device, you know, courtesy of your real estate. Like, I don't want Ecotech Pro. I don't, I don't care about getting that phone call. I want the real estate agent to get the phone call or the adjuster right. or the plumber sense. to get the phone call because <laughs> then all of a sudden now they feel like a superstar. And if I can make a referral that makes me look like a superstar, I'm going to keep using that person. Sure. You know? So it's like that whole level too. And I, I don't think enough people think about that. They're like, oh yeah, thanks for the referral. Bye. Yeah. I mean, like with general contractors, that's sort of the tough one where if I get referred and they walk away and we handle the claim, I'm always trying to do my best to make sure that as soon as that claim gets paid to remind them, hey, the reason why you got all this money for this claim is because of this guy who referred you. So make sure you call him to do the work. And I, yeah. you, about 80% of the claims he ends up getting, we did the math. Uh, so that's, that's okay. It ended up working out okay. But um, yeah, yeah that, that's, that's tough. You want to make sure. But yeah, any referral that I get, I mean, anybody though. I mean, if you're going to, if you're going to grow a long, a long standing business, you need to make sure that you handle yourself with, you know, a lot of character and you got to do the best possible. They're not always yeah. going to end up the way I want them to. I don't always negotiate, settle for what I want them to. Uh, and any public adjuster that says that they do are liars. You're not going to make everybody happy. There's, there's, this is a people business and there's circumstances, there's events, there's other people that are involved. Some deals inevitably are going to go sideways. Some people are always going to be, uh, you know, on the negative side of the sphere. It is what it is, right? Like you can't fear a bad review. You can't fear, you know, uh, one relationship that went bad. You want to try to stay as far away from that as possible. Right. Um, and, and always, you know, deliver the absolute best that you can. 
but you can't live in fear of that, right? Because you're not going to make everybody happy. But as long as you can just, you know, keep in mind, um, here's the thing, man, there's a lot of mitigation companies I know reach out to uh, public adjusters and they promise the moon and stars and say, hey, look, you know, uh, use me, use me, use me, use me, use me. And, you know, we'll do this, we'll do that and whatever. Sometimes they offer kickbacks or whatever the case may be. It all happens. We all know that it does. Um, but they don't keep up their end of the bargain. The reason why they don't keep up their end of the bargain is because guess what? There's 10 more public adjusters after you. Right. So in their mind, they'll just go, 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 and they'll just keep fishing until they find someone. There's, there's the, 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 the riches, again, are in the niches, and that goes with professional relationships as well. One good, long-term, valuable asset. That's it. Pays dividends. Like pay, it pays long-term, especially once you get a rhythm because everybody works a little bit different. You know, like if you send me a deal and you and I haven't like actually like done a transaction with one of your clients, if you send me a deal, I'm going to, my questions are very different than most. I'm like, how, how do you want this to look? Like what's perfect world? What do you want it to look like? You know, what is it that you really want documented? What, you know, things like that. Um, because it's important because you want your job to go as smoothly as possible. Like, hey, Rico, you should have gotten this from, from the client because if not, it'll hold up my deal later on. But those are all like really important questions. Dude, I don't know how many restoration companies. This is my Kindle that I walk around with. Um, let me just show you something that I think is important. Um, as a matter of fact, I think one of your interviews, um, I'm looking at my, some of my books here. Um, we've got The Claim Game. You've got that one? Oh, books? Yeah. Yeah, I've got the claim game. The claim game. Um, let's see. Delay, deny, defend. I think I've got that one too. The elite adjuster. These are all in my, in my, uh, in my library, one. by the way. That one um, you know, insurance can't claim secrets revealed. That one uh, huh? Yeah. That one I'm, not an ins- I'm not a public adjuster. I'm not an insurance guy. Why do I have this? Because it's important to the relationships that I build. If you and I can talk shop and I know. Oh, yeah. Does that not make me different than a guy who's just putting down a fan in a DHU? Absolutely. Makes you different. So for restoration guys out there, read your stuff. Yeah. Like you said, though, it's funny. You just, I tell people networking is like, it's almost like door knocking and it's almost like sales calls. You're going to, you're going to meet a lot of different people. You're going to meet, you're not going to connect with everybody. But as right. soon as you connect with one or two or three, yep. that's all you need. Not because if you never know what their network looks like. And yeah. And then, cause if you get too many too, then you're like that guy, you're just like, you're just like a, a networking whore and you're not, you're not loyal. <laughs> you know, you're not, you got, you gotta be, I think loyalty to me is probably the most important in business. And there's, right. And but then, here's, here's, this is how I think you circumvent this. This is where I think you're doing a very, very good job um, at what you do and your positioning and um, something that I, the reason why I put out a lot of con- you know, content uh, the way that we do is because I do believe that the way that you circumvent that is by you being the person that is somewhat sought after, by you being the authority in your industry. What then that does is it gives you the ability to kind of get the pick of the litter and be like, you know what? I don't want to do business with you for A, B, and C, right? And not because you have to be a big company or a big referral. Sometimes, honestly, I'd rather do business with the smaller guy um, or organization or the mom and pop shop because honestly, they care more sometimes than the guy who's already making $10 million a year in revenue. Um, but yeah, being able to- People come to me yourself. People come to me because they know, the, they know what they're going to get. It's a little- They know you. It's a little more pressure, I guess, to, to really, right. to make sure I knock it out of the park every time. Um, but yeah, they come to me because they know what to expect. 
you know. Yeah. Yeah, but you don't look like the guy who suffers from performance anxiety. So I think you're okay. Uh-huh. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no. yeah, I mean, that's, that's where I think like these types of platforms are really important. Um, and just being able to produce that kind of content because now people are reaching out to, to well, you it makes it easier. That's what Gary Vee said in his book, uh, Crushing It, was don't worry about giving away the secrets. Don't worry about giving away all these things because you're going to be known in the industry as the expert who's got all the secrets and the expert who knows everything. And people yeah. are going to start going to you. And people are going to take your secrets anyways. People naturally, they might entertain it. They might look at it. They might, you know, execute one time or twice or three times, but it's the stick and stay. There are no secrets. What you and I do is not a secret. Everybody, everybody, there's basically, there's a way of doing it right. And that's just how everyone sort of does it. You know, I, I sign a claim, I go to an inspection, I negotiate and I settle a claim. Like that's kind of it. Right. Not well, it's kind of like what you asked me about what my remediation process is. I was like, it's, yeah. it's really the same as everyone else's. It's, it's really one, two, three, four. The, the, this is a commodity. Like, this is, this is not special. Like, you know, the, the restoration um, aspect is not special. I know that there's a lot of guys that would like to think that it is. And this is where I've always been very much against the grain um, because I don't care. I'll just tell you, look, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, who's looking to hire a restoration company. Here's no dog and pony show. Here's no razzle dazzle. This is exactly what the process is. And that's it. Now, this is what my price is in this very simplified way. We're not going to negotiate on that because it is what it is, but I'm not going to take this process and in order to justify the price, make it this this big old deal and pretend like it's something special. And, you know, like, like even something stupid example, right? Word encapsulation gets thrown a lot around a lot. What's encapsulation? Like what's encap? It's, it's paint. Right. Right. It's, it's the like, look, we're going to paint over stuff. <laughs> and so jokingly, I always tell clients, I was like, you know, by the way, and then we'll go ahead and do an encapsulation, which is just a fancy industry word for saying we're going to paint over your paint stuff. Over and they're like, and everybody without fail laughs. And the reason is because I'm, I'm making myself human as to sure. how the industry, how the industry works. You know what I mean? So yeah, stuff like that is. So that's what I've done with all these videos too. Again, another common comment that I get is they're like, thank you just for just talking about it at a, at a, at a fifth grade level. Like you're just talking about it like normally so that I could understand it because I mean, I don't know why you don't need to use big words in anything that we do. You know, I mean, there's a bunch of different, you know, depreciation and all kinds of other words that I could use if I wanted to. But at the end of the day, I mean, it's just, you know, they're just taking off money because you have old floors. Yeah. I mean, I'm always keeping it, keep it, what is it? Uh, the kiss, kiss. method. Keep, 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 yeah, it keep, simple, it, stupid. keep it simple, stupid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like that was, that was like rule number one in business. Like if uh, you sales. can't explain sales, it, if, especially in sales, if you can't explain, if I can't explain it to my four-year-old and him to some degree get it, I know that I'm overcomplicating it. Absolutely. Now, if you want me to dive deeper, I will. Sure. And I always give people that option. It's like, because there are people that are super analytical and they want to go ahead and know this and they want to know that. And that, that's great. That's fine. We can, we can go there, but we can't start there. You know, and, and honestly, I just think sometimes you come off as a little arrogant. And I think that in today's day and age, like because everything is so in the open now and everybody's talking about transparency and everybody's talking about, you know, being genuine and you can't fake this. You just can't, you can't fake like what people see on video. So if you all of a sudden show up at someone's house and you're, you know. Well, the other thing that I realized is as soon as you leave the house, they're going to go on Google and search it anyway. They're going to go on YouTube and search it anyway. Let me see if this guy was full of shit or not. 
or before yeah. I come into the house, everybody's already seen my YouTube channel. Right. Or everybody already knows what a public adjuster is. You send people a link um, to your stuff before, let's say, for example, if I was Joe Schmo, the, the homeowner, and I don't know who you are, I just happened sometimes. to Google you and I came across you. Sometimes. Sometimes, really. Why not all the time? Oh, no, because usually I come in there, they're going to sign my claim no matter what. Anyway, if I could just really? tell, yeah, if I could just tell by, the, by their voice that it's just like, oh, I'm not sure what I'm going to do. I'm just like, here, take a look at everything. I've been doing this for a very long time. Don't worry, your claim will be So then you care. send it. So basically you use that as a... As a yeah, so just to make sure that when I get to that house, they're going to sign my damn contract. Right. Um, but I've also realized it doesn't make that much of a difference either. So, I mean, sometimes, I, I mean, I guess it does. I guess it does. I, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, my I, think, I think it does. My conversion does. rate is my conversion rate is pretty good either way. But that's because Again, of my referral sources. everything, right? Yeah, You're yeah. For sure. Maybe it's worse than I think. <laughs> but that's because of my referral sources. You know right. what I mean? Like... You know, if I refer you or you refer me, chances are we're going to speak very highly of each other before that person even walks in the house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's why referral sources are, are, are. That's why referral sources and building the relationship with the person is so important. Right. Because you want them to to speak highly of you. Yeah. So. Yeah, right. exactly. But yeah, I mean, it's just um, you know, I would, it'd be funny to know like how many of like your clients. But again, most of yours are referrals, right? Like most of yours are referrals. Oh, everything I get is referrals. Yeah. Claims, claims, everything I get is referrals. And my target here when it comes to this is public adjusters and strategic referrals. So yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't speak to, to, to policyholders. I really no. don't know. I don't speak to the, to the, to my actual target consumer. I, mm -hmm. my, I, my target, I target public adjusters, general contractors, roofers, and we're going to start targeting now property managers and real estate mm -hmm. investors and commercial realtors. Mm. Are you going to be That's, doing that via Facebook or LinkedIn? LinkedIn and Facebook. Yeah. So I'm going to yeah. put out a video probably like in a couple of weeks. Game. Huh? I like the Facebook. I game. love the Facebook game. I love Facebook and I love, and I love LinkedIn now. Right. Um, but I'm going to do a video like I did a video for contractors and roofers and telling them how we could work together. And I'm going to do a video next. Uh, it's going to be to commercial realtors and real estate investor, investors and property managers just about how the benefits of, 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 of being in a relationship with a public adjuster. You know, we could take a look at these buildings and we could just take a look at all the damage. I could review your policy. They call it a pre-loss risk assessment. <clears throat> it's right. something I've always wanted to do, but I don't really act on it much. But if anybody wants to call me out for a free inspection, I'll be happy to do it. Right. It's hard because it's... it's I mean, it's kind—it's of, not a waste of time because I'm not going to really charge to just do a free inspection, obviously. But it's also good after a hurricane. You know, it's good to—I I would be targeting Pensacola. I'd be targeting uh, probably Miami right now, and then I'd be. Is targeting there like any like PDF downloads, video type deals that you could do to have people actually physically opt in, and you can give them something of value? Let's say, like for example, if I was a property management company, if I was a property manager, you'd want my business or potentially for you to be on my roster if I have an issue. Right. So yes. what would I need to know? What, what is it that a public adjuster could tell me that I would need to know? And is there a way for you to synthesize that information via PDF or video that would allow me to opt in, which then would allow you to go ahead and keep marketing to me? Yeah, it'd be, it'd be a video. That's that, that what we'd be doing. That's what I'm trying to do is I haven't done the video. Series? It's just How, gonna be can one you do video. a video series? I could. Can you, can, can you break it up in like three videos? I can. I can do whatever you want. <laughs> um, the idea yeah. was we were going to do one video. Uh, you didn't see, I'll send you the GC one that I did, but it's basically a video with me, like 
off to the side. And then mm. we do a bunch of graphics here. And based on what I say, I, I just state the benefit of how I could help a property manager, uh, how I could review your policy. If you, if you've uh, not just property managers, I mean, the property managers is to get in with the associations. That's what I really right. want to get into. Uh, right. But how I could help the associations, uh, you know, get the proper backing to, to deal with the insurance company because every association and commercial claim that I've had, I mean, it's, I usually come in after they've been underpaid severely, you know, and then really? we settle for millions of dollars. Right. It's because they didn't hire a public adjuster. So that's stuff like that. I'm going to say in the video, Hey, did you file a claim after Sally? Did you file a claim after this tropical storm that just hit Miami? Chances are you're right. getting fucked, you know, uh, hire a public adjuster because we'll be able to inspect the property, put an estimate together, you know, so on and so forth and negotiate on your behalf. Right. So that's awesome. Cool. So you've got, you've got like this, uh, this thing. I like the viewer, the video series, uh, just because it's, it's more than just a one-off. Um, and there's just like really cool creative ways to kind of stack that content, you know, anything more than three, I think for, for your audience would probably be too much, but if you can get away with one, then they're, they've already opted in, right? All we want is the pixels, right? That's all you really want. You really right. want the pixel, right? Like that's it, right? You want the pixel. So if you can get that, then you're, you're, you're off to the races, you know? Yeah. So that's the next one. We did really good with the GC. I mean, I probably met like 10 of them. And I've got four big ones we're going to meet later this week, which I'm looking forward to. And, and then we'll see what happens from there. Then the next one, the next. They're on the LinkedIn stuff. Cause that's the, the one thing, anything else you want to talk about SEO, let's do it. You want to talk about Facebook, YouTube, Google ads, yeah. um, like anything else. I'm, I'm a hundred percent game LinkedIn. I don't even pretend to know anything about it yeah. other than that's where the pros hang out. And I'm yeah. like, yeah, that, that's nice. But you know, it's because good. again, my focus has always been consumer. opposite. Right. straight to the consumer because right. that's who had my money. Um, recently we've been recently 12 months. There's been a lot more of me pursuing the, uh, the, the pro angle, uh, but even like how I pursue the pro angle is, is very ninja like by pixels and, and pro putting, uh, you know, promotional information content in front of them. So that way I could pixel them to then romance the long-term thing. So I'm not like, you know, as opposed to a Google ad where a Google ad is bottom of the funnel, what I call an SMD ad. Um, and, you know, if they want the service, great. And if you don't, then, you know, click on to the next one. Whereas the pros is more of a, of a long-term get to know me um, and see how cool I really am and whether or not we dive and then let's do something, you know? That's kind of what I want to do. Yeah. That's, I'd, I'd, rather, I'd rather work hard now and just trying to get these pros together and then... Hopefully that taking on a whole other, a whole other life of its own. Right. So how, how are you doing? When you and I first met, um, you were doing the, um, you hadn't even had your public adjuster course thing going on in the webinar. We were just talking about that and, uh, bring me up to speed, man. Like, what's the deal with that? Like, how is that gone? Have you, well, uh, have you had like life changing events yet in these people's lives? Like anything, like what's the reaction to them? Well, we're putting the landing page together because we're going to offer it again. We did a one-on-one -on -one course, which was tough for me. It was, it was tough. Uh, it was just, it was a lot because we, we, we were going to cap it at 10, uh, but we did 13. The reason why we did, the reason why we did one-on-one -on -one is because it was our first rodeo and I didn't want anybody to be disappointed. And I figured if they had the day with me, even if I had no content, just talking shop the day with me just itself for a new public adjuster would be valuable. worth it. Right? right. So I'm like, let's right. make it one-on-one. -on -one. It's going to suck. It's going to be really tough. It's 13 
full days plus 13 shadowings that are just, I mean, that's 26, that's, that's a month. Were you, did you end up doing like the uh, alpha beta type uh, staggering of the program? Is that why you started doing one-on-one? Remember when, when you and I spoke the first time, we're talking about um, like uh, the actual sequence for like a, a course launch, like the one-on-one, get the reviews. And then the second is going to be like the beta group. Um, that's going to be a little bit larger. And then you're going to try to automate the whole thing. Is that, was that like the whole thinking behind it or? Yes. Okay. So now we have, impro- this is, this is uh, breaking news. December 15th, I think. Yeah, I think this is the middle of December. We're going to do, we're going to do it again, but it's going to be right. a group course. And we're going to do, we talked about it today, actually. We're going to do, um, what am I saying? We're going to do one full day webinar with 10 people. And then we're going to do, let's say, either we're going to do back to back. It's going to be two days, uh, uh, probably half the price, maybe a little bit more. So the first one was nine ninety nine. This one will probably be like, I don't know yet, probably like, I don't know, four ninety nine or five ninety nine or something like that. It's going to be a full day webinar, but it's going to be a group of ten people. And then also, there's going to be a second day where we're going to have, and this might be something actually you might be interested in. I don't know yet, but we're going to have some pros too. So I want to have like my attorney uh, come on. I want to have my estimator come on to help them with estimates and stuff like that. Maybe we'll get a water mitigation guy. I don't know. I haven't thought about it yet. And um, and it'll be two days instead. And we're going to... I got to call. I got to make this public now because this is what a salesperson does. He offered, now I'm going to close. So if you, everybody's heard it here first, if you bring in a pro that does water mitigation, mold, anything restoration related, Ecotech pros calling that number. We're, we're going to be there. All right. All right. That sounds good. Fair enough. I like so it. I have a commitment. This is live. Yeah, that's it. I'm fucked. <laughs> you see how no, simple okay. that was? You just asked for the order. You see an opportunity, you ask for the order. I like it. I like it. So it'll be 10 people, let's say on day one. Day two will be the same 10 people with the pros. And then I want to do two like that. So it'll be, I, I don't know, maybe the week of the 15th or whatever it is. Again, we haven't narrowed down dates, but it'll be either back to back or it'll be one week and then another week. But anyway, I want to do Two like that, so 20 people we're going to cap it off at. And then in the meantime, yes, we are also working on the online course. Right. And is the the online course going to be basically the live course with these 10, 20, 15 people? And then you're just using that basically as like your step, as your... No, this is just, this is just uh, step one. Phase one was the one-on-one. Phase two is this group course. Phase two, right. we could repeat again if we want because it'll be a group course. But this comes right. with this comes with one full day webinar on steroids with me. Right. One full day or half day maybe. Maybe it'll be a day and a half. Half day with the pros. And right. then also, can't find the book. They also get a book. It's going to be the book okay. that we sold. It'll be right. like version 2.0. So that's right. what you get for all that stuff. Plus all my all my worksheets and my templates and my letters and stuff like that. So that's going to that's gonna be now before the end of the year. We wanted to get it before the end of the year. We'll start promoting that pretty soon. And then, and then we're working you're collecting, on- I'm assuming you're collecting all of the, all of the reviews and customer testimonials yeah. and all that. Stuff, yeah. Right? Of the 13 that we did the one-on-one, we actually had, what, three people haven't done the actual shadowing. So 10 people, we've got 10, 10 in-person reviews. When they came for the shadowing, I, I did a review and that's going to be on the landing page. That's awesome. Cool. And we started a Facebook group. So, but the Facebook group is dead. I mean, unless I post. Fine. Fine. Nobody's got it. 
but we got it. So now when we get the new 20, they're going to get into the Facebook group. So now that's 43 people, no, like uh, 33 people. And then that'll just continue to grow as people purchase any kind of course or whatever, they get automatically put into the Facebook group. The new crew, um, like everybody that you're training, I'm assuming they have your personal cell phone number and all that stuff. stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. They have direct contact with me. They, yeah, that's the other thing. And, and, and I bet that all of them have asked you some questions from time to time. Yeah. As opposed to, in other words, I, what I'm getting at is that all of the questions that you got via phone or text message could have been in the group and now they're not. What do you mean? Like could have been in the Facebook group, right? Like all of those questions, you know, in, in other words, if I was a public adjuster and I did the one-on-one -on, -one on you, I have access to this group, but because I also have your personal phone number, I'm asking the question. What I need person, to do. In other words, it's not content for the group that right. other people can benefit from. Which is so, my fault. That's my fault. I need 110%. to take, I need to right. take the questions and I need to put them into the group. Hey, this guy just asked this and da, 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 da. that's my fault. Right. Or really, or just really, especially because now you have such a tight tribe, like a tight knit group that I think if you express to them, it'd be like, Hey, look, I'm not being a dick or anything, but do me a favor. Can you ask me in the group and I'll answer it in the group? I agree. Because I this way forgetting. it'll benefit everybody else. But also as a side note, what it's doing is it's really benefiting the page and the group with engagement and everything else. Just food for thought. Which is, which is my fault, which is my fault. It's, it's tough. Um, what else was I going to say? I just lost my train of thought. Um, no, what's been really good for us too is, is our, our email list. Do you have a good email list? I have a decent email list. Like we have almost 500 now. And those are like, to me, those are, those are like true of those 500, probably over 400 are like people who are going to digest but you're Anything talking about email lists for your program, right? People that are, yeah. Like, so we have, we have. No, we have I'm talking about email list on my website, but nobody puts in their email unless they want the content nowadays. You can't, right. you can't push people. You could push people to follow your page and to like you on Facebook, but for them to give up their email address, you know, right. those are, those are, those are true fans. Like it's, no offense, but like 2000 Instagram people is going to be what? Like a thousand people that actually like, like your stuff as opposed okay. to. 500 people on email list. That's more like 450 people are going to are actually, I haven't checked our open rate. That's a good idea. I need to check our open rate. Yeah. That'd be uh, that'd be cool. Um, to, to know like what your open rate is for your niche. I would imagine it's a lot higher because it's people that are genuinely engaged. Uh, but we have, we have our consumer list with that. That list is, is pretty big because again, we've, we've optimized and run a, a bunch of different offers, uh, and specials and stuff like that to, in order to collect those lists. Um, and then also I use that data, whatever data I do have on the consumer side. And I also plug them into Facebook to create uh, audiences there. Um, and then on our pro side, 60%. our pro side isn't very extensive. Our pro side will probably, I don't know, maybe like a thousand uh, people, 1200 people on our, on our list. Um, and that's growing. But again, like I said, we do that very organically, uh, sometimes even by like picking up the phone and nice. then we create the list. So yeah, so it's all based on, on an interaction. 60% open rate. Dude, that's amazing. Right? Um, dude, it's out of the world. 60% open rate? On most of these emails that I'm looking at, yeah, some are 50, some are 57. That's, that's amazing. That's out of this email. That's insane. And then clicks is about 30%. That's really good. So. Yeah, no, and it's only getting better. And honestly, remember I told you about having a mission? as opposed to just kind right. of a goal. I mean, you know, I had an awakening experience in my life when I was, what, 26, 27? 
And I told myself, that's just what I want to do is I just want to try to help people as best I can. I want to be the go-to person in my family and I want to right. be the go-to person now in public adjusting. I wonder how many, how many professionals feel that way and then don't, don't get to really express that. Yeah. Oh, it's hard. Yeah, I'm sure it's not easy hard. either though. If I don't continue to remind myself of my mission, it could be a little overwhelming because I mean, even now, if I go to, if I go to Instagram, I may, I may, I'm putting it on the spot. Yeah, I got, oh uh, no, I thought I had, I had a little number up there. Usually I have, I have at least, you know, I just open it up. There's three, four messages and they're like right. people contacting me for the first time with this long question. And I sit down, I respond and, da, 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 and, and I have to go through Instagram. I have to go through LinkedIn and I have to go through Facebook every single day to make sure that I respond to everybody. Oh, and YouTube, I have to respond to the comments. But you know, you I remind myself of when I was just starting out and I thank God my second year, I did get a mentor, but that first year, even the second year, I had, everybody goes on YouTube. Everybody goes on the internet to check stuff. And right. if you go, I am the only person that pops up with any relevant information when it comes to public adjusting. Right. And that's tough for people when they're just starting out, especially if they're working for like most companies because the owner of a public adjusting firm, they're signing their own damn claims. They're doing what they got to do. You know, they don't got time to be answering questions of their PAs, especially their apprentices. You know, it's, it's to them, it's just like, I don't have time to do it, even though they're wrong in doing that. Uh, so they come to me. Right. And now what we're doing, and eventually I'm going to be doing, now I'm taking on public adjusters. So I was always a one-man show. Mm -hmm. And I never really wanted to take any, I didn't want the responsibility of, of other PAs, which is, you know, it's less money, I guess, for me, but just whatever. It's also less responsibility. But now, now that I've got the VAs set up where they are, and I've got a plan of action to grow it, the VAs, I'm going to, and we're putting together the SOP. Yeah. Now I've got two adjusters under me and I'm ready to grow that to as much as, I don't promote it, but when people come ask me if they, if they want to come work for me. And people want I'm to come sure work for me. I'm sure if you were to fast forward 12 months from now, that number is just going to grow. Out. I think so. People are dying to work you for me. It's funny. You're, because again, you're putting out the yeah. content. Who, if I just decided to get into the public adjusting game, who would I want to go? I could either go to do a Google, a Google search and land where I land, or you know what? Let me reach out to this guy who's putting out content. Seems pretty cool. Seems yeah. like a connected guy. Let me yeah. go ahead and, and hit him up. Yeah. And we I might, mean, you yeah. said you've got Atlanta. We might, uh, my buddy from the last podcast, Eric, he lives in Texas and I'm licensed in Texas. And he says he already knows two guys that would love to be a PA. And I said, maybe we open up an office in, in Texas. We're all virtual anyway. Right. Yeah. Especially now after 2020, like everybody's virtual now. You and know. the most important thing in this business I realized is as a PA is having, having your, your boss or whatever, they're a phone call away. Like right. that's very important. And I mean, Andy, he's my guy in my, in, he's in Pensacola now. A guy calls me like 10 times a day. Ralph right. in Miami calls me at least once a day. You know, and I got to be there for them because they've got questions. And at the end of the day, you know, they're working for me. So I have to make sure that they're doing a good job too, you know? Right. Yeah. And taking that time now, it's one of those investments that you make. You could train people right the first time, answer all of their questions. And then mm -hmm. eventually you just have a superstar that's working for you, you know, which that's, that's kind of the goal, right? And eventually you could just, all you could do is just like podcasts and videos and, you know, the goal is to, the goal, what I learned from Eric, the goal is to, if you could just be able to focus on your strengths and hire people that their strengths are all of your weaknesses, right? then, then you've hit sort of like a utopia. 
because right. then you're not stressed anymore because what makes you stressed are the things that you don't want to do or the things you're not good at. And you may not be aware at the moment, specifically the things that you're not good at, or you may not be aware of why you're getting stressed out about certain things, but it could be because maybe you just don't have the right people to help you, you know, uh, take over some of those, some of those weaknesses. Right. But you do have but to understand every, like every aspect. Like, so the one thing that I have a hard time. Oh, about, you have to, you have to pick up the garbage and take out the garbage. You got to do all those things first all. so that you understand them. Absolutely. To do it all. You don't necessarily have to be ridiculously skilled at it, but you need to know the basic understanding of, um, you know, whatever task it is that you're going to delegate. Right. So at the very least, when you're talking to whoever it is that you're talking to, you know, you know, when you're getting story and when you're not getting story. You know, so it's like, that's like one thing I see a lot of people do. They hire and they don't, they don't know anything about the positioning that they're hiring, hiring for. And then they're ultimately disappointed and you wonder why. Well, I think people, I think people rush into the, to the, to the expansion phase too fast. So like, I remember when I first started, I'd say like around year two or year three, I was also running a tennis academy and I was doing a lot of mental toughness training and I was doing a lot of training like to kids who, uh, who were playing tennis and I had a lot of high performance kids. So I was always, what all talent always fascinated me. How does one become, how does one have talent? What's more important, talent or skill? So I read uh, Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell and he talks about 10,000 hours of practice and he, he equates it like 10 years or 10,000 hours. Right. So not to get into all that, but I remember when I was like year three or year two, year three, year four of public adjuster, I just couldn't wait to get to year 10. There was a thing in my head where I was just like, I don't know everything yet. I have to get to year 10. I have to get to year 10. Soon as I hit year 10, I was still in B&I. I was like, I just started calling. I was like, all right, I am officially an expert public adjuster. Right. Well, now, fast forward now, what, year 13, now it's a lot easier for me to train other PAs. It's a lot easier to me to train uh, my VA who helps me with all that stuff. It's a lot easier to put a freaking book together of my step-by-step -step process. You know, I didn't really have a step-by-step -step process until I actually had to put the book together, to be yeah. honest, full disclosure. Right. Uh, but I do. We all do. We have a step-by-step. -step, but like you said, like a SOP, once you actually sit down and you go through it, everybody has their own step-by-step -step process. But to me, my step-by-step -step process was mastered in a way because I spent so much time doing it as opposed to somebody who becomes a PA or becomes a water mitigation or starts their own company right away and they start hiring and buying more machines and buying a warehouse and doing other things when they don't know the first fucking thing right. about the actual business itself. So you got to pay your dues, man. Definitely do. You know, and that's, that's in all things, you know, just being able to take the time and, and that way it makes you just a better, a better boss, you know, just a person who can delegate and you, you actually get the results that you want faster because you went through the pain of trying to figure out, like I, <laughs> I geek out on so much stuff that eats up my time sometimes, but it's like, if I don't know how it works and I need to delegate it, I need to figure out at least the bare bones minimum of it. And then I can go ahead and delegate because then I can pick up a lot of stuff really, really fast after that. But if I can't speak the same lingo, I can't delegate. I'm reading a it's whole, like, I'm reading a, this is marketing. The book is called, this is marketing. By that guy with the glasses? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Seth. Uh, no. Seth no, Godin. Uh, yes. Seth Godin. Seth yeah. Godin. Yeah. I'm reading that book now because, I mean, I'm not in charge of the marketing. I have Milan doing all that stuff, but- We're at uh, Cashvertising. Oh. Cashvertising. Yeah. Must read. Cashvertising. Nice. This is why, you know, this is why I carry this thing around me everywhere I go because it's my library in my hand. Love it. Maybe I should get one of those because I have the Kindle app on my phone. I should just get a Kindle, right? You just get a Kindle, man. Yeah.
get a Kindle. You don't have to get this. This is the, the <laughs> no affiliate, oh, I promise. This is the Kindle Oasis, the brand new one. I loved my first or second generation Kindle Oasis. And this is like a $200 and $300 Kindle. It's stupid. I got my wife the regular Kindle Paperwhite or whatever it is. I like hers. It's 100 bucks. I like hers better than I like mine. Because it reads like a book, right? Oh, it's the best. It's the best. It reads like a book. Yeah, it's you can read it outside. Which is the one she has? She has the Kindle Paperwhite. You and like that one better? Honestly, I liked it better. For the price point, absolutely. For the price point, I do. Like This Which is a really cool premium device if you want to be a little douchey and be like, you know, this is, you know, like, mm -hmm, it has a certain je ne sais quoi. But does and it you, do more things? I mean, it's got better lighting, but that's about it. But honestly, pound for pound, for a, for a, if I drop this right now and I break it, I'm going to be a little Done. upset. Yeah. I, I'm going to be a little upset, right? Whereas if you have a device that's meant for reading like the other one for a hundred bucks, you're good to go. And if you What's, break it, you lose it, it's a hundred bucks. Which is yours? The Kindle Oasis. You're, I know you. If you're I'm like, going to get the Oasis. You're going to get the Oasis. Um, yeah, that's why bigger is better sometimes. So this has a little bit of a bigger screen. But anyways, um, that's why I carry this around because it's like I have- I might as well. And I love, I, love, uh, I love downloading the sample first to see if I'm actually going to like the book. Do you do that too? Yeah. I always yeah. download the sample. I've got so many samples in my Kindle list where I just never actually went through with it. Insane. Insane. Yeah, I'm the, I'm, I'm the same way. I'm trying to see because there's one that I have here. Uh, Cash Retising is a fantastic book for you to buy. Um, and, um, there's a couple of really good ones. You know what? I'll send you a list. Uh, and if I send it to you prior to, um, prior to you releasing this video, maybe you could put it in the... Next Wednesday, by the way, we're going to do this. Next Wednesday, okay. this is coming up. Yeah, there, there's, there's a ton of them. Like, I mean, I've got so many books, it's just ridiculous. But uh, yeah, cash advertising is a really, really good one. I'll check it out. I got to finish this Seth Godin one first, though. Huh? I got to finish this Seth Godin one first. But then all of a sudden, I'm like in the middle of the night, and I'm just going through Kindle, and I see, or a Facebook, and some other like idea for a book comes in, and I look at it, and I just read that one. So it's like, I'm always reading like, I'm reading the, the, the biography of Gandhi too. It just takes forever. Oh, yeah. It's like a million pages. I'm always reading something. Like I've got books like laying all, all the way around. This is one that I'm, uh, that I'm on now. And I read that way, one. You want to hear something really bad about me? I buy books at least twice. Yeah, so you could, so you could have them in your Everybody. library? I have the physical copy for the most part. And then the I turn around and I buy the, uh, the uh, Kindle version. I used Wait. to buy the Apple version of the Apple bookstore version as well as the Kindle, but I stopped doing that. So I no longer buy my books on, on, um, on Apple. But anyways, never split the difference. I read it. Please, like this is a must read for anybody yes. in, in sales. Well, I, I've, I've promoted it on several videos and I also promoted it in my course. Chris Voss is, uh, he's just a beast, but I have the audio version. I didn't actually read yeah. the book. It was an audio. Some of, some of my all-time favorites are, uh, as far as books are concerned, um, Pushing to the Front is a fantastic book. Anything by Og Mendino, uh, the greatest salesman in the world. I think that anybody who is just now getting into sales, getting into anything that involves you going out every day and, and doing anything, uh, Og Mendino, the greatest salesman in the world is fantastic. Um, because it's broken up into 10 scrolls that you're in theory supposed to read three times a day uh, for 30 days. Each one of the scrolls is a very, very tiny little book. I would recommend buying that to anybody. It's the one book that I push the most. Um, for those that hate uh, religious 
inclined books, it is actually officially in the religion section, like the Christianity section. Um, but if you're not, it's a fantastic book. Everybody should read it. Um, there's um, Pushing to the Front, I think is great. Oh, Wizard of Ads. That's the other one for, uh, for uh, advertising. Wizard of Ads is a great one. Um, anything by Jeff Gittimer, I told you before. I think that that's great um, because he's got really, really good uh, books. Uh, the Power of Positive Thinking or anything by Norman Vincent Peale is fantastic. Um, dude, just like literally we could go through like an hour on just like, it's just, it's just great. I need to have you back on. I need to have you, I need to have you back on. Yeah, let's do it. We should do like an entire book section. I think that'll, that'll, uh, I mean, you know, could- I've got like this area. Um, I've been trying to figure out which, um, bookshelf to get because I've got, you can't see it. It's off screen. Um, but there's a, an entire closet in this office and it's all my books are in there. I got you and me are, bring them out. You, huh? and me, you and me are too much alike. It's kind of scary. I've got a closet over there that it's just cause my wife's a crazy reader too. It's just like, it's just, they look so ugly. It's just like ugly shelves with just books stacked up on each other. Yeah, and we're trying yeah, yeah. to get the right bookshelf for the loft so that we could have it nicely, you know, Display. Right, uh, we want to do like a library where you have a couple of nice little couches, a little table in the yep. middle, and all your and all your books. You know, no no yeah. TV, just books. Just 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 books, just books. I used to never have a a, a TV in my bedroom. I just totally hate TV in the bedroom. Um, but you now it. we have one because you know, we had a baby a year ago, and you know, you the it. wife so insisted. I know. So did mine, but it's the best thing ever. It's good. Is it? I hate it, man. I think it's it's horrible. It's it's the worst time suck of the planet. It, it's horrible. I would much rather, I'm telling you, like I had a rule, no TV in the bedroom, but then wife is, was pregnant, one year old, you know, at the house. And this is like, okay, no, she, she needs to, to, to have some entertainment. If not, she's going to start contemplating suicide. I was like, let's not do that. Just not good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but typically it was just like, you know, books and that's it. Um, but here I'm trying to figure out something to do here uh, to get some nice, uh, you know, display. It just, you know what it is. I like, it's this weird idea. And I know that they're probably going to throw them away. I really want to be able to have like my kids be able to walk into my office at some point in their life and be like, let's see what dad was all about and be able to kind of read through the stuff that I read and kind of have like, Oh, that's cool. Like that's where you probably got that from, you know? Whereas if you do this, even though this is more convenient, they'll probably never look at that. I know that they're probably never going to look at my books, but in my mind, I'd like to think that one day once I'm old and gray or dead, they're going to be able to look at it and be like, Oh, dad read this book. I think, I think a, a, an eclectic bookshelf just looks cool. It makes you feel smart, for sure. You don't have to... Uh, 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 Grant Cardone said something once. He's like, I have tons of books that I've never read, but it makes me feel, feel smart. Oh, God. Yeah, but it makes me feel smart. I'm like, you know what? That's not, that's not a... I'm not at least being about, honest. Something about that guy I'm not crazy about. I don't like him that You know much. what? Here's the thing. So, <laughs> I went to one of his events, the 10X conference. Yeah. <clears throat> there are salespeople and then there's eh, kind of salespeople. He also did an uh, interview recently with Jordan Belford and you could just tell that he was totally out of his league. The guy's not a sales guy and I will challenge him. God, I hope that he, some, somebody has like enough pull to go pound for pound and he actually sees this because I will go pound for pound on the phone with him any day of the week. He does have some good closing techniques on some calls. However, he went on stage and he like called somebody out on uh, to do a close. Like he was going through this, you know, show on how to actually close a deal. 
And the guy comes up stage, there's 20,000 people or 15,000 people in the arena. The guy's nervous as hell, right? The prospect, nervous as hell. He doesn't want to look bad. He doesn't want to make him look bad. And anyways, um, he was trying to sell them like a $10,000 program, supposedly. And he asked for the order and the guy says something along the lines of, I don't have the money. Um, And then he asked a follow-up question, which is, well, where is the money? And he goes, well, I have it in a bank account. Okay, well, then great. Then sign right here, get me the check. And if anybody's ever been a closer before or anybody who's ever done any sales, you know that that was trying to get him off the stage so that he looks good. And I was like sitting there with a couple of my buddies and I was just dying laughing. I was like, because your next thing should be, number one, if it's in a bank account, what do you have tied to that bank account? You have a debit card tied to that bank account. So really the next close should have been, well, great. Is that a visa or a MasterCard? And then great. You know, if it's a visa, it starts with the floor, read those numbers slowly from left to right. If it's a MasterCard, you know, whatever, you would go through that closing process. The bottom line, he's a really, really successful business, real estate business guy. And he's, he's so blunt and so like out there that he's willing to go ahead and put his information out there. And, but it doesn't make him a great sales guy. Like in my opinion, like not a great sales guy. He's extremely energetic, got a lot of a presence um, and he's in your face and he pushes hard all the time, but he doesn't necessarily, isn't like the best. uh, He rubs me the wrong way. And I like a lot of those guys. I like Air V. I like David Meltzer. I like, uh, uh, what's his name? The one you said, uh, the uh, power, what's his name? Not Norman Vincent Peale, but... um, uh, uh, Tim Robbins, you know, I like all those guys, Tony Robbins, yeah. Tony Robbins, but there's something about Cardone. I just, I don't know. He just, yeah. He, so, but you know, and, and at first I was like, you know, I, I kind of felt the same way, but then again, you know, what you have to appreciate about that is he's very, he knows who he is and he knows how he's perceived. And one thing I do agree with him, which is, I think in a couple of things that I actually agree with him. Number one, obscurity kills you. Obscurity kills you. It doesn't, I would much rather be known and either liked or disliked, but be known nonetheless, instead of not being known, but I'm the most lovable guy on the planet because that's not sure. going to get me anywhere. Right. Sure. He subscribes to that particular camp. And, um, the other thing is just how aggressive he is with anything that he, if he's promoting a $7 book or like a 99 cent pamphlet, the guy literally is on this thing for like 30 days, every single day, like selling, 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 selling. And you have to appreciate that. Um, and way too many people give up. That's, that's the good stuff about him. But then again, once, you know, once you're at a certain level, yeah, everything becomes a little easier, I guess. That's true too. You know, it's nice to have your own private jet, right? Oh my God. Yeah. But if you haven't seen it, check out the interview between him or at least the highlights of him and Jordan Belford and which is the Wolf of Wall Street, actually. Yeah. 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 Um, And you could just tell that the guy was like totally out of his element saying uh, things like no interest is a level of interest. And it's like, just like, and Jordan is such a good salesperson that he's just like rolling with the punches. And I guess it was really just a pissing match to see who was good. And yeah, it was just, you could just tell like how outside of his element he really was. Well, he was going against like the goat. So you're, you're going against someone who's actually legitimately raised millions and millions of dollars yeah. on phone. You know, it's just total. it's a totally different game. You yeah, know, that's true. Do you follow any of that stuff? Uh, the uh, Jordan Belford stuff? No, really? no, just a movie. Just a movie. He's got some pretty <laughs> good content out there. He does. 
Yeah, he's got some pretty decent content out there. Yeah, he's got his uh, straight line persuasion system, which is uh, um, pretty, it's pretty decent. I think, you know, for, you know, probably new PAs that are, uh, okay. that are getting in the, in the game, that might be, they might have some pretty good resources there that they can okay. d- dive into. Um, there's another guy that I really like a lot, uh, Ryan Stuman. Stuman, yeah, uh, which is the hardcore closer. Um, he's a really good guy to follow too as far as uh, selling. Actually, he's a much better salesman than, than, um, than uh, Grant Cardone, in my opinion. Huh. Much better. Ryan Stuman, yeah, the hardcore closer. Yeah. I got to look up these guys, man. Go for me one day is a share stage with, one, with a couple of those guys. Those guys are just fantastic salespeople. Hardcore salesman, right? Hardcore closer. Ryan closer. Stuman. Yeah. Right. Stuman? Stuman. Yeah, Ryan Stuman, I think. Yeah. Hardcore closer. If you just go Facebook and uh, just type in hardcore closer, he'll pop up. Nice. Yeah. He's got a bunch of like really cool programs and, uh, you know, masterminds. He's got like the apex mastermind, uh, and uh, a lot of other like really cool areas. Um, you know, that if you're into that kind of stuff and you want to rub shoulders with a uh, certain type of people, like those are really good programs to get into and masterminds to get into. I'm a big believer in masterminds and, you know, paying to play, you know, yeah, if you want to be surrounded by certain kind of people. Yeah. That's what I'm working on. <laughs> yeah, we'll yeah I think you're doing just fine, man. We'll get there. We'll get there. Rico, awesome. I got, I got, I got to cut this off, man. It's just three, two hours, two hours and forty-seven minutes. That's amazing. You're probably gonna have to cut some stuff out, but either way, man, thank Hell you so no. much for having me on. I, I appreciate it. Uh, it's, a, it's, it was real fun. It's a pleasure, and uh, yeah, man, let's, we definitely got to do it again sometime. We're gonna do it again, Rico. Thank you so much. Let me make sure I stop this recording correctly. All right. I guess I just press end, right? No, I got to put um, stop recording.